Hey guys, it's Tricky. I forgot to tell Alex that Gareth had sent in a update to the trophy rarity, so I'm going to plug it in before we actually start the show. Enjoy. Welcome to another edition of the rarity update. Week three we are into. Um, by now, most of you would have seen the updated league table on either the Discord group or the Trophy Losing Facebook group. Um, both the link now to the document is in there as well as the pictures. Um, of each of the, the tables, which aren't aren't the greatest to read, but uh, use the link, which is uh, which is posted in there and uh, pinned to both the Discord and the and the group. I'll try to keep it a bit briefer. It was thirteen minutes long. I didn't realise it was going to be as long as that. The first time I did it, I did send amended audio to both Daryl and Tricky, which was seven minutes long, uh, and I let them decide which one to use and. Uh, they opted for the 13-minute version, so uh, apologies for having to listen to my voice for 13 minutes on last week's episode. So I'll try to give it, keep it a bit briefer uh, for you all. So um, <clears throat> I'll start with the, the league table. So we had four new entries last week come in. Um, two of, well, majority, three of them have, have scored points. Um, one of them hasn't, but has, has only just joined recently. So... Um, Overall, the good news is that we are now out of negatives. Nobody is on minus points. We saw a f- some big numbers this week. A few people jump up a lot of places. Um, so I'll start with that, as usual, down the down the bottom. We have Darth Knight 82, who was one of the new entries. Um, didn't earn any trophies this week, but so he's on zero points. He's had no movement on any on any of his others. Um, Zach the Beard Nerd is obviously um, taking a break from his PlayStation. He hasn't moved and he's also joined last on zero points. Diego uh, only joined the day before I took the updates uh, and he's moved on to one point. Um, So I'm I'm expecting Diego to to shoot up those tables fairly uh, rapidly based on what I see on there. Discord and other other platforms. Um, next is Tross, who is uh, he was one of the ones who did move out of negatives. He he earned six points this week uh, and has moved on to plus one point. Um, Kalai did uh, she was did say she'd earned some uncommons and she wasn't wrong, so she's moved up onto five points uh, with Neon Abyss. Uh, seems to be the game that she's playing at the moment. Um, and above her is one of the other new contestants, um, D3P4 Arted, 5.7, Departed, I guess, 5.70. And he is on six points, uh, having played uh, a bit of Last of Us Part 1. Um, Tricky Mick, despite playing Spam only, bar a bit of God of War Ragnarok, is had letting the, his legacy trophies do the work for him. Um he is on 11 points, a seven point increase this week. Uh, he's reduced his rarity from about 97%. He's now spit, spit shine in God of War Ragnarok. So his rarest trophy of 2023 is an embarrassing 88.31%. Nothing rarer than 88.31%. I'll let you uh, be the judge of that. Um, Riley, the brain, 
There's a big gap, actually. Oh, semi big gap, 16 points. So he's up at 27 points, playing a bit of Skyrim, 14-point increase this week. Um, Stink Palm comes in ahead of ahead of Riley on 32 points, and he is tied with Homer Gets Duffed on 32. There's another fair jump up to Sadek. Um, he's, he's on 58 points and has been playing a bit of not a game that I'm familiar with, but Rude. Uh, and his rarest trophy was Green Energy in that, which actually is his rarest that he's done of the year so far. MZ Nitro continues his uh, plummet down the table, but I'm sure he'll um, start rising again when, once he starts playing again. Um, but he was doing a bit of Mafia 2 and also earned his rarest trophy um, of the contest so far with Explorer, 12.81%. He's on 62 points. One of the big movers this week was Resident Daryl, who has been whoring on Team Sonic Racing, which if you look at the trophy, uh, the trophy guide for that, or the, sorry, the trophies on PSN profiles, you will see that is a favourable game for this competition. So note that if you want to score points, he is on 74 points and an uh, increase of 59 points this week. Yield uh, is one place ahead of Daryl, and he is up to on 82, um, 94 points. Sorry. Tell a lie. I'm making things up. Yield is on 78 points, sorry. And his uh, rarest trophy was... Uh, Jesse story in the final station game I've seen around and I've been tempted to pick it up but not not bitten the bullet as of yet uh, I know it was free on <coughs> on game pass once upon a time um, JT another big mover a big 80 point a total points of 82 and he did 80 of them this week um, quite a few ultra rares in there so he actually increased his ultra rare count by six trophies um this week playing again team sonic racing um mr tmnt is above jt on 94 points with an increase of fairly steady week for for joe this week 38 points with a bit of nhl 20 is his rarest um and then we when we come into the uh players who have broken the 100 point barrier so first one of those is cj um and obviously, as we, he's been, he just dished out 56 points this week, doing a bit of The Witcher 3, um, a game that I do want to get into uh, at some point soon. Um, in eighth is a new entry, and it's uh, Corey, Grounded Gamer. Um, good total, really good, second biggest haul of the, the week, uh, 111 points. So obviously that's his total because he's only joined this week, so... Um, one to watch out for, for for sure if he's getting 111 points each week. Um, Meese Goats a lot drops uh, a couple of places, um, playing a bit of One Piece, Burning Blood, uh, 41 point increase this week, 115 overall. Marky Fraser's dropped out of the top three. He, uh, he was um, a bit leading after week one, dropped down to two on week two, and he's now down into one, two, three, four, 
fifth place now on the uh, leaderboard as of week three. So he'll be looking to turn that round as soon as he can. And he's on the 144 points. So that's a little bit of a jump up from the place below, which is 115. There's another big jump, good 50-odd points. Alex Ray's Havoc playing Bayern Mutant. And again, some good level of... Um, trophies especially the rares he's actually had an increase of 50 rare trophies uh since the in the three weeks that we've done this so you know really impressive stats there with a 88 point weekly increase i've dropped i've been reeled in um didn't score as well this week as i had done the previous one still 47 points not not a bad week but i'm only two points ahead of alex now in third place at 199 in at two, Redbeard Rick um, <clears throat> broke the 100 point um, weekly increase and it gives him now a total of 217 points with a Tora, Tora, Tora is the name of the trophy in 60 seconds as his rarest one of the week. And number one on the leaderboard is Mark Duplex, Dupes 25, on a whopping 288 points, a weekly increase. Of 245 points um amazing effort that albeit little caveat to that is that the game he's been playing a lot of where a lot of his trophies have come from 16 ultra rares mind you which is more than everybody else put together and probably double it again um in persona 4 golden so I do feel, looking at the requirements on those trophies that are currently ultra-rare, um, they will sort of drop in value over the over the weeks. Um, I've noticed even just in the 18 hours before putting the... When I posted the table to looking at the trophy now that was rarest, it's gone from 0.33% to, to 1.25. So it's, start, it's on the slide there, so he's obviously going to have to um, hope it doesn't drop too much. So... With that in mind, so I'll put a little asterisk against that anyway because uh, that could be a, uh, a false representation. I certainly hope so from my perspective anyway. And then on to the trophies. Um, again, we've got the top five rarest of the week and the top five rarest of the year so far. What I am going to be doing is, I mentioned it on the on the Facebook group, is limiting it to, so everybody is involved and, uh, and can have the opportunity, is I'm limiting it to your rarest trophy as an individual so you can only have one entry on each of those leaderboards just to i didn't want somebody having the five rarest trophies and then the, they take up the whole leaderboard I, I thought it was nice to have a mixture of every every person being able to sort of uh, get onto each of one so from uh, the top five rarest trophies of the week uh starting from fifth is the Grounded Gamer with Surge Gauntlet Scholar in Arcade Ageddon, 6.49%, which was, and to do that was to unlock all primary Surge abilities. Not a game I've played. Um, I've thought about it, not not got into it though. At number four, at 6.09% is Redbeard Rick, Tora, Tora, Tora in 60 seconds, which was to ram 1,337 obstacles in your house. At three, Resident Daryl with Starry-Eyed in Team Sonic Racing, 5.95%. And that was to earn every star in Team Adventure Mode Chapter 2. But JT went one better with 
4.13%. And again, in Team Sonic Racing, that was an every star in Team Adventure Mode completely. So he's obviously closer to the plat than, than Daryl on that one. And as I said, so Dupes is also top of this rarest trophies of the week with moderate but keep a 0.33%. But as I said, that has increased already. Uh, and that was to register over 50% of the compendium. Um, I expect that. So that is also the lowest value or rarest, rarest trophy that for the whole contest. As I said, I've put an asterisk against that because that will that will change over time. Whereas a lot of the other trophies that have been earned have been um they've had years to um to evolve and to manifest so you're more likely to have a truer reflection on those trophies than than trophies on the newer game so so the top five rarest trophies of 2023 so far i am hanging on at number five with the platinum in star wars battlefront 2 at 4.23 jt with his one that he earned this week can you feel the sunshine in team sonic racing Marky Fraser in still in third place on that with, I believe, in a higher power in Gems of War at 2.92%, which has reached Kingdom level 15 in five kingdoms. Yield, I think this will be a temporary drop. It has dropped down to two with Pro Team Deep Rock Galactic at 1.15, and that was to earn silver promotions for all dwarves. And as I've said, the moderate bookkeeper that dupes earned was 0.33% at the time of putting the stats out, and that was to register over 50% of the compendium. And uh, so that's that is what you've got to be. So at least now we have five trophies that are all of ultra rare value. Um now sat in the rarest trophies we've earned as a as a whole group in twenty twenty three. The the trophies to drop out of that was uh, this week were the platinum trophy that uh, was earned by Rick in Fallout New Vegas, which was a six point nine five percent very rare. And Legend of Weird West by Alex in Weird West at 9.76%. So that is your update. Obviously, well, sorry, I couldn't keep it any briefer. It's another 14-minute one, so apologies for listening to me rambling on, but uh, I will cut it now. But, uh, yeah, thank you for listening and and taking your time to sort of uh, take interest in the competition, and, uh, and I'll keep doing it if you'll keep interested. Carry out. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. You are listening to Trophy Horse. With your host, Tricky Mick, Alex, I yield to no one, Steve, and Sid. Hello everyone and welcome to Trophy Horse. This is episode 556 and I feel like I owe everyone an apology at the start because I am very stuffy uh, and uh, I sound like a Muppet. So unfortunately you will have to deal with that through this entire episode because Tricky Tricky's at work or I guess I should say in air quotes work. Um, but we're still going to have a great show for you all. Um, unfortunately we do need to address some sad news before we get into the fun of, of PlayStation uh, we got some news today that a member of the Trophy Horse extended family has passed away. Uh, Donnie, former host of the show, his stepfather, uh, Bland Redding Sr., has passed away. So we do want to say that we're very sorry to hear that, Donnie. Um, our thoughts are with your family. We just hope you guys are doing as, as best as you possibly can in such an uh, 
a, a tragic and awful time. Uh, losing a family member, we know what's going to happen, but it, it doesn't make it any easier. So, uh, Donnie, we were very sorry to hear that. So, um, but, uh, so unfortunately, loss, but um, we have a, a great show for you guys planned. Otherwise, we have a first time guest ever uh, to join, to help me to welcome our first time guest. We have uh, my long, long time co host, I Yield to No One. What's going on, everybody? And this this guest, uh, she doesn't have time for Tricky's BS um, because she has a much better Italian name than, than Tricky does. Uh, she is a broadcaster over on Twitch, and like any professional, she knows not to cross the streams unless you absolutely have to. It's Veronica. Good evening, everybody. So, like I said, this is Veronica's first time in the show, and uh, we actually, uh, y- you all may have heard or picked up on, Veronica's husband, Matt, was has been on the show numerous times. He was with us last week. Uh, glad to have Veronica on, finally. And Veronica, we I, I was talking to you this before the, sh- uh, before the show, in that you've been offered to come on the show, and just it never worked out, or, you know, Tricky has some weird rule about you and Matt not being able to be on the show um, at the same time, but... We, we think it's a duel uh, if you have two people with the same amazing Italian last name. It just makes Tricky go a little crazy. Because his last name is Miller? Miller, yeah. And when you have uh, two Grinelli's on one show together, it just makes his brain explode and everything just goes... And he just stops working. Like a part of the universe explodes like a paradox somewhere occurs yeah. and we we see a little bit of destruction so i thought it was funny though that the the, the episode your inaugural episode is when tricky isn't actually here yeah um, i just think he's probably afraid. Because his bra- probably because his brain popped i just <laughs> i just think he's afraid to you know because last week you know he'll talk some smack to matt i just think that he's afraid to talk smack when veronica's around that's what i think it is a little bit but i also think that in all seriousness as um I'm getting more into PlayStation games and getting more into that. My background is more into PC gaming, into the Switch, Nintendo, and I am a VR person. I am that type of uh, person that loves using the VR and everything. So coming in on this episode, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, um, I think is a good start for everything that's going on. And, you know, Matt's told us a little bit about what you like to stream, because Ashley, my girlfriend, she had mentioned, like, she had asked for uh, your Twitch name, because she's like, oh, yeah, it sounds like she plays some games that I would like to play. Um, so we know a little bit about you from what Matt has said, but just kind of, in your own words, uh, introduce yourself and tell us, like, what your history of games look like, what you like to play, what you like to stream, and if you want to, you know, promote yourself and, you know, give your, your um, Twitch name, more than happy to hear that. Okay, well, um, as you guys know, my name is Veronica. I actually go by V, just the letter, or Gamer Veranza. It is a combination of my first, middle, and maiden name. So it was really nice of me to be able to keep a little bit of my life into my gaming life. I started out as a, a strange enough, Fatal Frame on the PS2 was a game that really brought me into gaming. And it was all, it was, I think that kind of made my decisions on what type of games that I like throughout my career. And I don't, I've never really liked the, the Maddens or the Call of Duties or the GTAs or anything like that. And I've always gone down the weird routes like Katamari. 
along those lines. I mean, always Final Fantasy, always Kingdom Hearts. So that's where that goes. But I'm more of a single player gamer instead of a multiplayer. Uh, the only multiplayers I've ever really done are MMORPGs, World of Warcraft, Guild Wars 2, recently New World on Amazon. So, uh, But recently, uh, a new game came out on the horrible system called the Nintendo Switch, and I've been playing that, which is uh, Fire Emblem Engage. So that has been my newest obsession. I do stream. As I said, and it's Gamer Veranza on Twitch. And mostly my games are the auditory and visual ASMR games or the fun farming games such as like Harvest Moon, uh, Coral Island, Disney Dreamlight Valley, and as of recently, Fire Emblem. Dreamlight Valley is what I'm actually familiar with because while I haven't played it, I've sat and watched Ashley play it. Um, so like, she'll be doing a quest for Ursula to help Ursula. I'm like, why are you helping Ursula? Ursula is evil. Um, so I am familiar with that one. And, and Ashley does play a lot of the, the farming games, the farming sim games as well. So, um, the Stardew Valley type games, she's played some of that. Yes. So there is some crossover there. Um, now, I, are you as big into Zelda as Matt is, or is that kind of his area of expertise? That is his area of expertise. I will say the first Zelda game that I ever beat happened to be Breath of the Wild. So I had attempted the other ones in the past. Uh, however, he is the Legend of Zelda and I'm the Final Fantasy. That's how we always kind of separate it when it comes to those types of games. And it's good that you guys can, I'm sure there's some crossover in the games you guys like to play, um, but it's also important for everyone to have their own little, uh, their own stuff that they can have, you know, and play on their own. Um, Do you guys play any like MMORPGs together? He, he is not the type that likes the MMORPGs. I did get him and a couple of our friends into New World. Mostly the games that we will play are together. The first game we played together was Team Fortress 2. Uh, When we first started dating, because we were in two different states at the time. That was the first game that I purchased that we could play together. And it kind of got the ball rolling. We've done a lot of Monster Hunter together. We'll pick up little like four-player games on the uh, Steam that we play. A big one recently has been Pokemon. Scarlet and Violet, where you can actually play together in that game. But it's really, he has his group of people that he plays with, and I have my group of people that I play with. And it's very calming, because although we have this great connection through the video games, through everything like that, we can still keep it separated. There's something that I think has become more commonplace these days and that, you know, before in a relationship, you kind of did a lot of activities together. And we I mean, we still do that, too. But then there's also like the time where like we're starting to remodel our sitting room where where the computer is, where I do my recording and where Ashley plays games on the PC. And we're trying to get a desk for me. And that way I can put a TV on there and bring the PlayStation here and like in our sitting room. And so essentially we could be sitting kind of next to each other but playing our own things. And there's that thing of like just sitting in the same room, you know, playing kind of separately, but also together. 
And I think that's one of those things that, you know, has become more commonplace when it comes to couples, especially couples who play games because, you know, you don't always have the same taste. But, you know, you can still kind of connect in a way when you're not actually playing together, if that makes any sense. And it does because it's he'll be playing his Elden Ring or he'll be playing something that I will never touch because the one thing that we always joke about is he likes to play his games and have a challenge. Like he wants to have a challenge. If he dies over and over again, whatever. No, that is not me whatsoever. I want to play everything on baby ass baby mode, you know, easy, simple. If I die, bring my people back. (laughs) Like that's what it is. And Like, my setup is in the basement because I do work from home. So I have my work computer, I have my gaming computer, and this is kind of like my safe haven. He has his own room upstairs, which is his safe haven, which has his computer, his work setup if he has to work from home and everything. So we, but we can still play together. Like, he can come down to the basement if I'm streaming or something, and he could be on the couch behind me playing on his Steam Deck. Or if he's playing with the guys upstairs, we have a switch dock up there, or I have my DS, or we can use one of the other systems that we have up in the second bedroom and just play the different games. And I do have that sound. I I have a sound issue where I can't have things too loud. So it works out as well because I usually play my games without sound. So he, I'll be listening to his game, cracking up, listening to the guys play and joking around and everything while I'm playing my Harvest Moon Story of Seasons game, like farming like crazy. And all of a sudden I hear, motherfucker, rah, rah, rah. like this. I was like, oh, that was my fault. <laughs> One of those. I'm trying not to laugh too hard not to stop them from playing their games. Matt, Well, and Matt seems, I mean, Matt's so calm that, if I heard oh. him pop off like that, I'm like, well, what? What was that? It is hilarious because a lot of people say that say that in real life as well. Like, he just seems like a calm... like, And he is. In, like, 80% of what he does, he's the foundation of our relationship. He's the rock. He keeps everything solid, but he's very... He can narrow-minded. I'm, like, helium going, hi, everybody. How are you today? Let's go. Like that. But when he gets frustrated with something, or if he starts playing the belly laugh that he will get, or the mother, what the hell, like, is going on, that comes out of him, it just makes me remember, like, what made me fall in love with him, you know, as a... um, Very expressive, very loving, very over-the-top person that not a lot of people get to see. So. Well, we're glad to have be able to finally have both of you on Trophy Whores. Um, and Veronica has been on the Loot Bros before. Veronica, do you remember what episode it was? Um, oh my goodness. It was the Pokemon episode. The Pokemon Violet Scarlet. Why don't I know the So it would have it would have have to been recent in November or December. Yeah, I have I just have to pull it up real quick. So As if you hear me typing. So if you do like what Veronica does on Twitch at Gamer Veranza and you do like the discussion here, you can find more Veronica sometimes over on the Loot Bros. Um, hopefully, Veronica after this will agree to come back on again 
and uh, next time when Tricky's on, so we can finally see um, Tricky cower to somebody else. Because usually Tricky is willing to die on a hill, but um, <laughs> I don't know. I, we've heard that uh, Tricky likes to come into your streams and give you shit, and Matt has he to does. moderate. We 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 like to ma- mess with each other in each other's streams. It is fun. Um, the Driftcast episode was the December tenth episode of the Driftcast Pokemon Holidays. So that was uh, that one. And but Tricky and I, we kind of have that weird understanding where we'll bust each other's balls, but we won't take it seriously. And I think that just comes up from being raised with brothers. <laughs> and that's all I have. I have two younger brothers. So just messing with each other. I feel like I've been talking way too much and I yield to no one. No, no, you're fine. I'm just I mean, hanging out. Yeah, they get to, they get to hear <laughs> Yield and I every week or almost every week. But you're you're new to the show, so you know it's it's all you know getting to to know you and and because you know, like I said, I'm sure people will get tired of us and hearing us talk. Uh, and besides, Yield's probably sitting over there quietly celebrating the Bengals victory from tonight. So I'm sure he's good. Oh, I'm good. Oh, I'm thrilled for yet for yesterday. Don't worry about it. Oh, I I don't pay much attention to the playoffs. What happened yesterday? Oh, Eagles decimated the Giants. Are the so how many games did the Eagles lose this year? Because I know that they were what four. seven and zero. Four. So yeah, I four. thought it was. I yeah. think it's four. Yeah, that's I knew it was three or four. It's because they were on quite the streak. Oh, did the Jackson and three? Did Jacksonville win or lose? Did Jacksonville beat Kansas City? They lost. Cincinnati ah. goes to Kansas City Sunday. Mm-hmm. Well, that'll be quite a shootout there. Yield. It will be. Hope hopefully Cincinnati can go four and zero against them. All right. Well, let's go ahead and uh, now that we know who Veronica is, uh, let's go ahead and give our updated trophy counts. Tricky is a level eight hundred and ten with a total trophy count of two. Th- I you know even I can't screw over Tricky that much. Not two thousand twenty three thousand seven hundred fifty five. I'm sure Tricky's got like two thousand trophies in the last week, with a platinum count of six hundred twenty two. I am level four sixty nine. Total trophy count of eight thousand four hundred one. The platinum count of 136 in 135 games. Yield, sir? I am a newly minted 486 with a trophy count of 9085. And since I last recorded, I have a newly minted 162 platinums. I have uh, one new one since the last time I recorded. And we'll get into that when we, we talk about what you've been playing. Sid is level 455 with a total trophy count of 5,668 with a platinum count of 157. I know he's got a new count, so hopefully Tricky updated that. Um, I'm, I'm hoping I got the right one. It looked like it. And then, uh, Veronica, do you have your... Uh, I don't know if Tricky sent you the agenda, if you have the count I, in front I, of you. I have mine, and here, here's the fun thing. I don't think I've touched my PlayStation since... 2019, <laughs> which is bad. So we- I'm level 83. My trophy count is 269 with zero platinums. But here's the thing. Well, that's why you and Matt are a perfect match because he also has zero platinums. He's very proud of that. But as you yeah. said, I, I can't remember if you said on the show while we were recording or if you just told me, but you don't play your PlayStation games on the PlayStation. You play them on the PC. It's it's a lot easier for me to play on my PC. And it, but if I do play, I think really the last two games that I played on the PlayStation 3 were Kingdom Hearts 3, which I almost threw the controller at the system, and Final Fantasy 15. 
like those were the two big ones. Like the next big one that I am looking forward to is going to be the Harry Potter games. But that's also going to be, am I going to play that on the PC or am I going to actually play that on a console? Well, and also Final Fantasy 16, I believe, is supposed to come out this year. And I assume it's going to launch. Is it going to launch on PC the same as when it launches on PS5? I don't know. Uh, I've kind of, my brain has been Fire Emblem since Fire Emblem was announced. But Final Fantasy, let me, I'm playing Type 4 right now. Let's see. Uh, release of 2023 PlayStation as a timed exclusive. So. Uh-oh. We might have lost Alex for a minute. No, I'm I'm here. You'll... Oh. Veronica, are you there? Did we lose Veronica? Oh, did we lose yeah. Veronica? Oh, hi. Oh. I'm sorry. Uh, I went to go turn something off and I didn't. <laughs> I said uh, it's coming out in on June twenty second, twenty twenty three, but it's a timed exclusive. So can can you wait? How how much time do they have? They announced uh, it doesn't tell me. I don't think. I don't It'll think just they ever release it. Emerges. It will release worldwide on June twenty second, twenty twenty three. It'll be timed exclusive for six months. Uh, can can you wait? No, that's why I'll probably play it on the PS5. So, so Final Fantasy. Well, that's the thing. I I played my I played Final Fantasy 15 on the PS5 or four when it came out, and because that came out 2016, and that was a complete playthrough. Didn't put it down. Like the difference between Matt and I when it comes to video games is. Matt gets ADD with games. Like, he can play a game for two hours, he gets bored with it, he has to pop to another game. When I start playing a game, it's like I'm playing that game for five weeks, and that's the only game I'm playing. So we are very different when it comes to that. That is more like me in that I will, if I start a game, and I like it, I will have to finish that game before I can move to another game. I mean, I can I can split duty sometimes and play two games at once. Mm-mm. But mostly it's that one game. Yes. 100%. Oh, <laughs> like right mi- now. Y- your mind's going to explode when you hear what I've been playing. Man. Oh, no. <laughs> All right, Yield. Well, if you want to segue into that, uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us the the multitude of things you've been playing as well. Why don't you start off with your new Platinum? So my new Platinum was a Plague Tale, Innocence. Excellent game. You should play it. Uh, let's see here. What have I been playing this week? I've been playing Deep Rock Galactic, or last two weeks. I've been playing Deep Rock Galactic. I've been playing World of Warship Legends. I've been playing Diablo 3 Reaper of Souls. Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Of course, Plague Tale Innocence. Uh, Star Wars Jedi Knight 2 Jedi Outcast. I've been playing Immortals Phoenix Rising DLC. Let me make sure I get the name of it right. A New God. I've been playing the Final Station uh, DLC bundle called The Only Traitor. And I've been playing Bug Snacks. And I think that's all the games I've encompassed the last two weeks. So are you playing Bug Snacks on. Because. Tricky has talked about getting us uh, a year of premium, which Bug Snacks is on extra. 
So I've actually held off on buying that because if Tricky does, you know, get us the subscription or the ability to pay for the subscription, we'll have access to it then. Was it, did you like just add it to your library when it's free for PlayStation Plus or did you actually go out and buy it? No, no, no. I, well, so the story behind that was when the game came out, I was like, there's no way on God's green earth I am spending hard-earned money on that game. So when they offered it free for Plus, when the 5 launched, I'm like, well, you know what, it's free. I'll just go on the computer, add it to my 5 library. So I did. And I was kind of jonesing to start a new game. And I was like, the heck with it, I'm going to start this game. So I'll just go ahead and give you my impression of it. I... When I saw the trailer, I'm like, that, that's just a dumb game. Just a dumb game. And it, it is just a dumb game. But I stepped back from that comment a little bit because when you get to playing it, playing the game, the trailer didn't do the game 100% justice. And it is kind of fun. The the villagers in, in the village are kind of your over-the-top people, so to speak, you know, you've got like this weightlifting surfer dude and the gossip girl and the, the conspiracy theorist that it's just kind of like, I mean, they're like over the top and, and it, it's enjoyable, but it's still fun. I still stand by my initial thought that it's more of a kid's game, but it does have the adult element to it. I mean, I mean, that isn't like gameplay, but um, I'm enjoying it for what it was. Glad I didn't pay for it, but. And then yeah. my my other question is: You've beaten Plague Tale Innocence. Are you going to go back and play Requiem now? Yes, I will pick up Requiem. Hopefully, sometime by the end of the year. Innocence was first. Requiem's a sequel. Well, we got Innocence, I believe, for free on PlayStation Plus at some point. And we did. Requiem was the one that was up for Game of the Year uh, last year at the Game Awards. So. Yeah, Innocence came first, and then Requiem was the most recent one. Innocence is really good. I the 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 puzzle solving isn't challenging, but it's fun. You know, it makes you think a little bit. But it's the story's really good. So I I would I would say you know if if you're into the story element of your games, give that one a go. Very nice, uh, Veronica. What have you been up to this week? Uh, this week, it was up until Friday at midnight, <laughs> or Thursday until midnight, it was Stories of Seasons, Pioneer of Olive Town, which I started the game fresh on my 24-hour birthday charity stream, and I did have not put it down until Fire Emblems Engage came in. So, um... And this is going to be kind of weird as well, but I have a single mobile game that I play that it's the only game that I play on my phone. And it's called Shop Titans. And I play that every day. <laughs> and that's all I do. Now, now I'm not familiar with Shop Titans because the only mobile game I play is Pokemon Go. What what exactly is Shop uh, Titans? Uh, basically, you are a you're a shopkeeper, and you have to create weapons, medicines, clothing, um, spirits, things, and you sell them to people. And it's like that timed type of game where a, a sword will take three hours to make. Or this will take that many hours to make. And you just continually expand 
throughout the thing. And I started out playing, uh, got into a guild that's in the game, and just kept playing. And now somehow I'm now the guild master <laughs> with the highest rank in my guild. <laughs> so it's on Steam. It's on the phone. It's free. It's, I do pay and I do what is, uh, Kali call them shit crystals. <laughs> I think we always joke. I do pay for this game because I've been playing this game for, I think, a year and a half now, almost two years, every day. And when a game like that gives me that much joy, I'm willing to throw some money at the developers. Like, here. Yeah, when, if you're trying out mobile games, if you've got 20 mobile games you play, like, that can get expensive, mm -hmm. but, like, I will put money into Pokemon Go when it's deserved because that's the only one I play. So when you've right. got that one you really like and you put time into it, I think it's perfectly logical, you know, to be willing to put money into it. Yeah. Does this game, because I know a lot of mobile games, obviously driven by microtransactions, but does it have any king, like, you're creating things, does it have anything to do with, like, is the money energy that you're having to buy? Is your it, character uh, run so, on energy? Uh, you are, so it, it can do two things. You can either... Your energy comes from your uh, your sales, really. So if you sell something, you get X amount of energy. And if you have enough energy, you can actually speed up the time on what you're creating. Um, you can also speed up with the use of shit crystals. So you can use... And there's only... There's certain things that only allow for uh speed up with like their diamonds in the game so we have golden diamonds uh the diamonds are what you pay for but what's really cool about it is is you don't have to put money into this game and it's still very enjoyable like in my guild we have 17 people in our guild uh, 16 we have 16 people in our guild and I would say only about a third of us do like the monthly, like the monthly pass on the game and the other two thirds don't. And they'll maybe buy a pack here and there, but they still have fun with the game. And what's cool in the game as well is that you have like a guild chat that you can talk to each other and say, hey, this is what's going on. This is what's happening. We may not all be at the game at the same time because... In my guild, I have people that are in Thailand, in Australia, some people that are in England and all. Uh, a bunch of us go on to a, uh, a messaging program called LINE, L-I-N-E, and we talk there, like in person. But for me, like I said, that's just that game that I know that if I'm going to bed at night and I'm just like, I'm waiting for the melatonin <laughs> to kick in start up some really long weapons or capes or something like that so it can go until the night and i'm good to go it's it's my calm game it's my i'm not screaming at somebody to fall in love with somebody game so I'm assuming that much of your, you know, game time we fire emblem in the next in the coming weeks of the month. So we obviously we chase the platinum trophies. 
for mm-hmm. you, like, what does game completion look like? Do you go for 100% completion or do you just beat a game, do as much as you can? If you get tired of it, you move on. It's it's a lot of times my games are those type of games that they have like a storyline, but they continue after that storyline. So something like a Harvest Moon or a game like that, it becomes, all right, I've already finished my storyline on Harvest Moon. However, not all the people, it's almost like a hundred percenting a game. Like it is in um, like getting a platinum. But there will be a point where you can't do it anymore or you're missing something and you're not willing to go that far. I know that like there's certain times that I've put down, like especially when it comes to Final Fantasy games or something like that, you have a true storyline, but then they will give you uh, downloadable content afterwards. Sometimes I go for that downloadable content, sometimes I don't. And it just all depends. Like with uh, Story of Seasons. I played that game until Fire Emblem came out. Will I go back to it? Most likely. Maybe not. (laughs) It may be a Final Fantasy or a Harry Potter that takes over. And I just may not look at Harvest Moon again. It all depends on... If there is something after I finish, and it's usually the storyline. Fair enough. It, it, it's also good to know that I'm not the only weirdo that focuses on one game and then doesn't doesn't move on until you know. I, I can't. I don't know how you people do it. Different. Seriously, di- yield. <laughs> well, see when um. Some of my games, like like the DLC games, the Final Station and Immortal Phoenix Rising, I've already beat the main story. So now I'm just going back through, and I wanted to I've wanted to play those DLCs, and so I was planning on kind of that was kind of my thing to do this year was games I owned the DLC to actually go back and and play them, clean up the trophies, and then you know the trophy rarity contest happened to fall along in there as well. So hey, it's a win win for me. Um, a lot of times, I'll. My wife doesn't really play video games, but she likes to watch some of the story games. So there are certain games she's like, "Ooh, I want to be down here when you play that one." Like Shadow of the Tomb Raider. We, I've played all the Tomb Raiders. She's watched them all. So like that one, she wanted to be down there. So that was kind of our game. And then like you know, a Plague Tale. She really wasn't interested after seeing the trailer. Bug Snacks. So on nights where I'm kind of on my own, I play those games, those types of games. And then I've got like, you know, I've got like my chill games, like my uh, Farm Simulator and uh, even kind of World of Warships. All I do anymore for World of Warships Legends, I just kind of jump in, help my bureau project. Maybe if they're doing an event. I'll do what I need to do to kind of move the event along, but I really might spend maybe an hour here or there diving into that. So that's kind of how I I jump around. But if it's like a really big title or something I've been wanting to play, that'll like engulf my entire gaming time until I'm done or platinum. All right. Uh, and then quickly, I'll, I'll jump on to what I've been playing before we move on. Uh, 
Shout out to Nitro, who joined me for some Rocket League on this past Thursday. Good playing with you as always, Nitro. Uh, mainly, though, what I've been playing is Bio Mutants. Um, I know this game got kind of not How is that? middling reviews, not bad reviews, but it got it got good to middling reviews. Kind of like I saw some people online say, and I'll get to your question. I'm not ignoring you, Yield. I'll get to your question here. So, okay, no, it's fine. Um, I saw people online be like, I don't understand why this game to get better reviews. I'm loving this game. I really enjoy this game a lot, Yield. It's a lot of fun. Um, and I am just kind of like, I was up until six in the morning last night playing this game, or I should say this morning playing this game. Like I'll just get onto a streak where this is one of those games. And I felt this way with weird West too, but particularly with this game where I just don't want to stop playing. I can't, I mean, it's, I have a nickname for the game called it's biohazard or uh, bio mutant side quest hell, because there are so many side quests packed into this game and they don't take too terribly long, but like you walk into an area and three different characters will give you a side quest. And before you know it, like, within a half an hour, you've got 20 side quests on the map, and it's like, oh my oh my gosh, my brain hurts, there's too much going on. Um, but luckily, you don't have to do all the side quests in order to get the Platinum Trophy. Um, but no, I'm really enjoying it. It's a lot of fun. I love the fast travel. You can fast travel, like, there are fast travel points in the game, but you can fast travel literally from anywhere, as long as you're not inside a building, or falling, or in combat. Or, I think, also on a mount. Um, but you, they also have mounts, so you can call a mount to you at any time. Um, like a, like a, like a typical, not a, uh, this is like a world where the, you know, the world has been destroyed. It's all irradiated mutations are rampant. So when I say a horse, it's not really a horse like we would know it, but like just mutated monster horse, um, you know, like little like jet skis, stuff like that. So you have all different kind of mounts. Like I just recently got a bat that can fly. I haven't figured out how to get it to fly yet, but, uh, I, I assume they could fly. Um, so you have all these different mounts you can call to you for different situations to help you get around the map. Um, but I love the fast travel. I really wish a game like Horizon Forbidden West would take a cue from that because Horizon had the little campfires that you could fast travel for free with the campfires, but outside of the campfire range, you had to use a fast travel pack. So you had to have an, a resource, a, a, a one use only resource that you could use to fast travel. Just let me fast travel from anywhere on the map as long as there aren't certain conditions going on. Um... There is crafting of weapons, melee weapons, ranged weapons, guns and stuff. I've only used that a couple times because when I actually got down, got the system down, I was able to make craft a weapon powerful enough, a gun in particular, that will last me to the end of the game. So um, there's a lot of scavenging. I've scavenged so much around the world and explored so much that I don't ever have to buy anything. So the money that I'm collecting around the world, I'm just not using. Um but yeah, aside from, you know, kind of getting a headache from the side quest, uh, the combat's a lot of fun, the world's a lot of fun to explore. It is a little annoying how you have to, there are certain areas that are like, you have to have a special heat suit to go into, um, or else you'll die eventually, you can only take so much, or you there are certain biohazard areas or irradiated areas or cold, particularly cold areas where you have to have specialized suits, and there are side quests tied to each suit. But just a lot of times when you're exploring, you have to kind of go in and, like, put on a three-piece suit, and it gets it gets a little tedious to do that over and over again. Granted, I haven't sold a lot or really anything that I've picked up, so there's a lot of just loose clothes in my inventory that I could get rid of to make things easier on myself. Um, but it's really good yield. I think that you will enjoy it uh, when, you, when and if you start to play it. So, um, again, it was a free game for PlayStation Plus, um, so anyone who hasn't tried it yet, if you long you put it in your library, you got a free crack at it. But yeah, I'm probably getting towards upwards of 50 hours of this game, and uh, I'm loving it. 
So I, I would definitely recommend it. You know, open world RPG, you get to design your own character. Uh, you get to design like the special, like what it's mutation or like what uh, it's typically like resistant to the body shape and everything. So you did get a little character customization lasts about 10 minutes. And from there you're off in the world. You know, I will say it's a little handholdy. Like the first hour, hour and a half of the game is tutorial. So it's a little handholdy, but you know, overall it's a really good game and you know, it's, not such a bad thing to have it, you know, for a game, a new, brand new game that you're playing. Not so bad to have a tutorial level that lasts that long for, you know, people who may not be into that style of game or just trying it for the first time. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Are you, are you planning on playing it? Yes. It was, it was always a game that I had my eye on, but I just never pulled the trigger when it was on sale. So I was excited to get it free for plus. And I think that it's a game that, like I said before, that, while the the I don't think the critical reviews necessarily reflect how fun of a game it is, because there are weird things like we're in battle, the music will drop out, and um, there's also like I've completed side quests right as I picked them up, and there are some times where side quests just disappear and I don't know how to get them. Uh, luckily, they're not like particularly side, important side quests that are tied to trophies or anything, but there are weird little glitches that I've noticed in the game, but they haven't deterred from my enjoyment. So I don't know. I'm like, I'm in the crowd where I'm saying like, I don't know why this game didn't get better scores because I'm really enjoying it. But um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's an open world game, so it is a commitment. You look at the map and after playing Horizon Forbidden West, you're like, man, this map isn't that big. But then you get into the world and the amount of stuff they've packed into that map, you're like, okay, this is going to take me a while. So you know, you don't have to do everything to get the platinum, but you know there's a lot there to explore if you want to. So expect like sixty to seventy hours of gameplay if you want to explore like the game in depth. So yeah, awesome. That is essentially what I've been playing. Um, before we move into our topics, um, I do want to ask Yield. I don't think you've watched it, but uh, Veronica, did uh, have you and Matt watched The Last of Us on HBO? He's watching it. I am not. I do have an aversion to real life gore, uh, where it will turn into a night terror. <laughs> so we like we had started the uh, Walking Dead when it had first come out. Like we started watching that together, and about halfway through the first season, I was like, "Have fun, enjoy. I can't do this." And he told me that it's. The Last of Us is basically going to be that. I enjoyed, and it's interesting that um, that uh, Yield had said this, that Matt and I both like to watch each other play certain games as well. So I watched him play The Last of Us, and he watched me play Bioshock. So when he plays certain story-driven games on his PlayStation, I do sit down and watch him play them. So... But no, I can't, I, I don't, I, 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 it's not going to be pretty for me if I watch it. Yeah. I mean, it's not like the exact same thing as the walking dead, but I mean, if you're averse to the walking dead, you certainly aren't going to find anything more comforting in the last of us. Yeah. Um, so, uh, real I mean, I think the Daryl and Tricky were talking about doing podcast episodes, like extra episodes on the last of us reviewing every episode and talking about them. Um, I don't know what the plans are for that exactly because they were planning to do it in the morning and I, I couldn't be a part of that. So um, I don't know what they plan to do with that going forward and maybe on our Patreon. I don't know. Um, but we did finish the first episode last night. So I just kind of want to give my, my initial thoughts on it. And once Tricky's back, I'm sure he'll be willing to talk a little bit about it. Uh, the one thing I will wish will say is I wish I had played The Last of Us 
I'm not going to say that I wish I had played The Last of Us Part 1, went out and bought it last year, but I do wish that I had played the game more recently to kind of maybe put together like what they took from the game specifically. I mean, there are certain things I do understand, uh, but you know, there are certain little story beats that I, I in little like Easter eggs or like, callbacks that maybe I don't pick up on because it's been so long since I played the game. And I realize I could go to YouTube and I'm sure Watch Mojo or all the Looper or all these different channels have like things you missed in The Last of Us or, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll talk about them on that kind of channel. So I could always go to YouTube and, and find that stuff. But um, initial impressions, I like it. Um, I think they would do a good job of portraying. First of all, the cast is really good. It seems like Pedro Pascal and, and Bella Ramsey are going to do really good in their roles. And, you know, even I had read something where I think it was on uh, – uh, GameSpot, where some of the uh, actual actors who portrayed the clickers in the video game, or clicker voice actors from The Last of Us, reprised their role in the HBO show. So they're actually pulling people f that were part of the game into the show. And of course, Neil Druckmann is the executive producer on the show, so you're going to have some of that. Um, the the lady actually who voiced Marlene in the game, I'm trying to find her name, her name Merle Dandridge, uh, is actually the person who plays Marlene in the show. Um, and it's just kind of cool to see that... Um, that carryover. Ashley Johnson, she has a role in the in the TV series. So, I mean, overall, I think they did a very good job on the casting, uh, a very good job portraying how dire the world has become and, you know, how in the first episode the, the shit kind of hits the fans. So it doesn't take long to jump in. But still, uh, the person who does play Sarah, uh, who is Joel's uh, daughter, um, she, uh, you know, you... In the game, you don't, uh, like, that That was, like, there's obviously a very difficult scene in the game as regards to Sarah because, you know, as they talk about in the um, after show discussion on HBO that the death of Sarah in The Last of Us, uh, Joel's daughter, uh, biological daughter, is kind of the fulcrum point for everything that happens and how it shapes him as a human being going forward. Um, but the person who plays Sarah in the show, her first name is Nico. I cannot uh, remember exactly what her full name is, um, but for the time she's on screen – and it's maybe a half an hour. Um, she does a really good job portraying that character. And like like they said, um, I can't remember who is the person who directed the show, but uh, Neil Druckmann talked about this, how you kind of have to – like the, it's a really tough role because as that character, you have to get people to invest in you in a short amount of time and understand that you are the protagonist. And then they pull the rug out from under you and say, oh, wait, no, this isn't the protagonist actually. So they, they kind of have to get people to attach to that character and then – you know have someone who's really endearing, but then also you understand that they're going to, you know, there's going to be that loss very early on. So, uh, casting wise, they've have done a really good job. I'm really impressed with the first episode. Can't wait to see how the series progresses again with Neil Druckmann on the, uh, as an executive producer, you know, they, they obviously are going to have someone who's a direct pipeline, one of the creators of the series. So that's a guy, I think that's going to really help with quality and especially callbacks and making everything make sense. And I know that they're not going to exactly, you know, they're going to do things, they're going to obviously pull from the games, but they're also going to expand upon the ideas in the game. So it's not going to be like a one for one, you know, thing. Like, so basically there still will be new things for you to see, even if you play the games. Um, but yeah, it's, it's gory, it's visceral, it's, it's dire. Um, and yeah, the only things that I, I wonder coming out of it with Neil Druckmann now being such a big part of this project how much did that take away from his responsibilities at Naughty Dog, which Naughty Dog is a tremendously talented team. So I'm sure that, you know, there's someone in there to step into that role if uh, if Neil Druckmann, you know, is away for any amount of time. But then also, 
you know, if Neil Druckmann ever, because obviously he has been involved in very story-heavy based games like Uncharted, like The Last of Us, if he ever wants to go move out of Sony and into TV, you know, uh, this is certainly a way for him to do that, uh, certainly an off-ramp for him if he ever, you know, wants to do that. But, you know, Sony and HBO took this seriously. They are, you know, it's not just a video game adapt- adaptation they're looking to to make money on. They actually took it seriously, and it seems like it's going to be high quality, and they've got, you know, the people behind it to uh, to make the project go. The actual, uh, the first episode of the series uh, had 4.7 million viewers, and it's HBO's, I think, number one debut. I'm, uh, I'm pulling this also from, from GameSpot, from their Instagram, but... I think it's their number one, aside from House of the Dragon, which had 9.98 million, it is their their number one debut since 2010. Or this, yeah, so I was very confusing with that. Um, with 4.7 million viewers, The Last of Us is HBO's second largest debut since 2010, only behind Game of Thrones spinoff House of Thrones, House of Thrones, House of the Dragon. So a pretty good reception so far. And a lot of people obviously interested in the series itself. So to have 4.7 million people show up, Good for Sony, good for HBO, and uh, I'm positive about the future of the show. Uh, Veronica obviously doesn't really want to deal with the subject matter of, of seeing people ripped apart by clickers and all the gore and stuff that comes with that. But Yield, you know, you said that you picked this up, I think, in our chats in, at retail when it comes to DVD. Um, you still sticking to that or any chance you you watch it beforehand? Well, no, I'm waiting for it to come to DVD. Fair enough, but I will tell you it is good. You didn't. You still haven't played the Last of Us Part Two, but you played the first one, right? I I played the first one. Yes. Yeah, it will be. Uh, having played the Last of Us Part Two, I don't know how long they plan to have the show run, but once they actually get to the second, uh, the second game and some of the source material from that, that's gonna be a rough watch. I don't know. I don't know if I'm gonna have an easy time watching that, or if I who knows. Maybe maybe I don't don't even choose to watch it, but um. I'm very excited to see the rest of the first season because I, I have a feeling that, you know, it's going to be a good show. So I, if anyone hasn't checked it out yet, I uh, I would definitely recommend it. Veronica, did, did Matt give you any kind of – did he say anything about how he felt about the show or give any feedback? He actually likes it. He is very much um, kind of on par with what you said where – the casting is good, everything. And he even went into how we were both reading that there were a lot of people that were upset with the casting of Bella Ramsey in her role because she doesn't look like the character. And I go, but that's not the... Looks aren't the only thing when it comes to somebody. It's their mannerisms. It's the way they move. It's why, in as a person that uh, likes Broadway shows, I'm a very, I grew up as a theater kid. You didn't have the same actor play the same roles all the time. You had different actors that looked differently, spoke differently, but the mannerisms and the way they delivered the lines and the way they do that character justice is... What brings that character to life? And he said that he thought that a lot of people were doing just that, that they were making it that because she didn't look like Ellie, she was not going to be good in this role. 
and then and he goes and she proved them wrong. I was like, good. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean she's good. I've had no trouble suspending my disbelief between you know what Ellie looked like at, in the game and what Bella Bella Ramsey looks like in the show. Uh, so far, she's been good, and I you know it's important to point out that Joel's daughter in the show does not look like Joel's daughter Sarah in the video game. So I think sometimes people get lost in that and they get too caught up in that. But no, I think. I think it was a good casting choice, so I'm I'm happy so far with the show, and I'm glad that Sony and, like I said, HBO have taken this seriously, because with, you know, all they're looking to do with Horizon and God of War and even Gran Turismo, bringing that stuff to the small screen, to the big screen, having television shows about stuff, having movies about stuff, you need to have your first effort like this be a hit, so it looks like they're they're doing pretty well. Now, uh, Veronica, you talked about how you are interested in PSVR, and our first story actually brings that up where Sony confirms uh, the list of the launch games for the uh, the PlayStation VR 2. Uh, this comes from Adam Bankhurst at IGN.com. Uh, the headline is, Sony confirms list of 30-plus games coming to PlayStation VR 2 during its launch window. Quote, Sony has officially confirmed the launch window lineup for PSVR 2 through March 2023, and it includes 13 new titles that haven't been announced for the platform before, including Tetris Effect, Connected, and Res Infinite. As detailed on the PlayStation blog, PlayStation VR 2 will launch on February 22nd, 2023, and more than 30 games will be available on the platform before March comes to an end, barring any unforeseen circumstances. Alongside big hitters like Horizon Call of the Mountain, Resident Evil Village, No Man's Sky, and Gran Turismo 7, PSVR 2 owners will also be able to look forward to these 13 newly announced titles, which include Before Your Eyes, Kayak VR, Mirage, Pavlov VR, Puzzling Places, Song in the Smoke, Rekindled, Synth Raiders, Remastered Edition, Thumper, New Pro, NFL Pro Era, What the Bat, Res Infinite, Tetris Effect Connected, Creed, Rise to Glory, Championship Edition, and The Last Clockwinder. Uh, the full list of PlayStation VR's launch window lineup are as follows, and I'll try to break these up so I don't repeat anything. Um, after the fall from Vertical Game, Vertigo Games, Altar Breaker from Third Verse, uh, Before Your Eyes, Skybound Interactive, Launch Window, Cities VR, Fast Travel Games, Cosmonious High, Alchemy, uh, The Dark Picture Switchback from Supermassive, uh, Demio from Resolution Games, Desynchronia, Kronos Alternative, My Dearest Inc. from Prep Game from Perp Games, uh, uh, Fantasia Vision 2020X from Cosmo Machia Inc. Uh, let's see, Job Simulator from Al Alchemy, Jurassic World Aftermath from Coat Sync, Kazuna AI, Touch the Beat, Jim 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 Drops Inc., The Light Brigade from Funkatronic Labs. Let's see, Moss 1 and 2 Remaster from Polyarch, Pistol Whip from Cloudhead, uh, free upgrade on that, Puzzling Places, uh, free upgrade on that, uh, Resident Evil Village, Capcom via free upgrade to PS5 version of Resident Evil Village, Star Wars Tales from the Galaxy's Edge from IML, ILMX Lab, Tale of Orngoro from Amada KK, Tentacular from Devolver, the Walking Dead Saints and Sinners, Chapter 2 Retribution from Skylight, Skydance, Vacation Simulator from Alchemy, and then Zenith The Last City from Ramen VR. 
uh, free upgrades. So uh, lots of games I threw there at you all. I want to break up this article a little bit um, from because I know you know listing off games that maybe people have never heard of isn't helpful. Um, but Veronica, what what is it about VR? It was VR like you said you starting to play more PlayStation games. Was VR really the kind of like entry door into you wanting to play more PlayStation? I don't think it's like the entryway per se. And when it comes to certain things like that, but VR tends to be that one thing that catches me with different types of games. So I actually have a workout program that I use specifically on my VR that I'm in love with. And I will sit there, I'll play on my VR for like 15 to 20 minutes, and then I'll get into my workout. And then after my workout, I'll just sit back down and play another game that I can just sit down with. And it becomes this, all right, well... I'm going to be sitting with my VR for X amount of time. My workout's only this amount of time. I might as well do other things with it. And that's where it really came into play with the different VR games. And then are you guys planning to get a PlayStation VR too? We actually each have our own uh, uh, Oculuses. So (laughs) we each have one. So it's actually, it's maybe we are, we are that couple that has every iteration of everything in our household. So we have an original PlayStation all the way up to the PlayStation five. We have a Dreamcast. We have an Xbox one all the way up to the cooler Xbox. (laughs) Like, and we, build our own computers so we each have our own oculus quests i can see us getting uh the playstation vr just because it's who we are as a couple and so with the uh the oculus do you guys have to upgrade that every year or how often do they come up for upgrades Mm -hmm. for that no it's actually like our oculus uh, since we've gotten them, we've never really had, we haven't had to upgrade. We've had to do the patches like anybody else, but there's never been a upgrade to a different system. Okay, the only reason I ask is I know, like anything, they come out with new models for the system, and I don't know if, you know, the like, like an iPhone, like, oh man, the new... Oculus is so amazing that we just we just have to have it. No, and, and I think that's where it, it, the line is kind of drawn. Um, a, shame on you for iPhone. B, <laughs> Android family here. See, I had but an Android it, and then I went to, to iPhone because my Android just started bugging out on me and like I like the openness of it, but the iPhone is just so like easy to use that's just kind of where where I'm at in life. Right. I think for like us, it's and this is kind of where the thought process goes when it comes to Matt and the video game systems. We, We hear about the video game systems coming out and he goes, well, there's no real need for the video game systems. Right? And then like 
after about a month of listening about it, he was like, well, maybe it, it looks like the game lineup for the PlayStation is going to be the best. So maybe we'll just get the PlayStation. And then after we get the PlayStation, well, we got the PlayStation, so we have to get the Xbox. <laughs> so regardless of what the conversation is in the beginning, we end up with them anyways. Is there any particular game that you've heard about that would make you be like, that would be the driving force between between you all getting the uh, the VR two. I think for him, it would definitely be um, Resident Evil. I think Resident Evil or Star Wars; those would be like his two that he would go to. For me, just based on my like gaming love, in a sense. It's going to be the No Man's Skies or the Puzzle Places or um, the Tales game. Like Vacation Simulator. I play Power Wash Simulator. <laughs> like if I could get Power Wash Simulator on VR, that's going to be the VR game that I'm going to play. No, I mean, I look at the list of games and like they had a um, a Creed game, which is obviously based on the movie. So it's going to be a boxing game and like something like that, like is it is cool to have in VR because it gives you a much different experience that you can have with a controller. Same with like a lightsaber duel in Star Wars. So mm-hmm. while I'm not completely sold on VR and I think Yield agrees with me, we are starting to see some games where it's like, okay, we have the genesis of really good ideas that can maybe convert some people like, but I guess that I want to see games that or how can I say, like, I just want to see the major difference in playing a game on this versus that, having a console. Because, again, we look at it as, like, hey, and I'm sorry I'm speaking for Yield, but we've podcasted enough that, you know, it's like I kind of feel like I know what you, how you feel on this. But it's like, it's just, like, like you said, Matt said, it's unnecessary, and we just haven't really seen the light when it comes to VR. That becomes the issue with it like for me we both we had the opportunity to get vrs it wasn't like something along the lines of we're getting the vr system because we want it we actually had opportunities at the different times to have the different vr systems and for me the vr is an extension of something else that i'm playing I, and a little bit of a side note, like I was a competitive athlete when I was younger and I had a really bad accident many years ago that caused me not to be able to do the sport anymore. And it has been really difficult for me to find something that holds my attention as a workout that makes it fun and easy for me. So when I was able to find the workout program on the Oculus, that is what I tend to use it for. Like my VR is my workout system. I don't go to a gym. I don't do anything like that. I work out on my VR, but I don't have it for the other games. Like I don't have it for Beat Saber or anything like that. But they are cool extensions to my workout machine. All right. Yeah, I mean, if you can avoid paying for the gym and you can just work out at home, 
why the heck not? Um, uh, one of the things that was talked about in the article uh, is uh, Polyphony Digital bringing Gran Turismo 7 to the Oculus, or not the Oculus, the, uh, the PlayStation VR 2. Um, going back to the article, quote, Kazunori Yamauchi, the president of Polyphony Digital, shared a few words in the blog post about the upcoming free VR update for owners of Gran Turismo 7 and teases a bit of what fans can expect. He says, we're thrilled that Gran Turismo 7 will be free for PSVR 2 as a launch title through a free upgrade. For those who have already purchased Gran Turismo 7, players will experience all cars and tracks in VR like never before. Yamauchi said, uh, Gran Turismo 7 VR will take full advantage of PSVR 2's next-gen features with eye-tracking and foveated rendering. Players will experience stunning visual fidelity while racing in any of the 450-plus cars. While two-player split-screen races are not supported in VR, all other races, including online races, will be available. From Nuremberg to Sabuki, uh, uh, Takuba, tracks will be experienced exactly as they are in real life. So know that Sony know that the final launch software lineup is subject to change without notice. Furthermore, IGN is confirming with certain developers whose games are not on this list but stated intention to launch alongside PSVR 2 like Among Us 2 and we'll update when we hear back. So, I mean, it's cool. It seems like if you have already purchased Gran Turismo 7, you will be able to play through a free update on the VR 2 without having to pay anything, which is which is pretty awesome. I mean, granted... Horizon Call of the Mountain is a brand, is a, you know, completely new game apart from Horizon and Horizon Forbidden West. So, I mean, that's going to come with a cost. But, um, you know, we were we were worried about people who have libraries for the PSVR 1 for Moss and Moss 2 having to rebuy games, which it seems like people still might have to do. But if you already own a game and then it becomes PSVR compatible, it's nice that you can get a free upgrade for that. Um but yeah, uh, yield. Anything you uh, different? I know I was speaking for you earlier, but is there anything that you want to say on VR two or this launch lineup? Do you think that they're adequately going to finally, finally adequately support uh, a peripheral that they put out? I mean, only time will tell. I mean, they're throwing out you know thirty games, and we'll have to wait until trailers launch and see how they look, and then you know. Talk, see how some of the people in the community, you know, what they feel if it's more than just a glorified tech demo other than a couple of games. You know, we'll, we'll just have to see. Veronica, as someone who's played extensively on the um, the Oculus, do you, did you all have to get over the hump of seeing things as a tech demo or just kind of like um, a gimmick? It, before you all were fully able to accept like VR as a thing, as a part of your life in general? I honestly think that the games that we play on it, well, me specifically, I don't want to speak for Matt on this, but for me specifically, the games that we, that I play aren't that, I want to say graphics heavy or peripheral heavy. So it does, it never really felt like a tech demo for me. Beat Saber is a big one that a lot of people talk about with the Oculus and everything and seems to be a staple. And that was one of the games. There is a little bit of me that sits there and goes, all right, well, I see certain things on the Oculus or in VR in general that are very, uh, 
I don't want to do this. Like, why is this a thing? In a sense. But there's other things that luckily they have the free demos and I can look into it and be like, oh, this is cool. And yes, you can have that tech demo. You can have that idea. A great way to use the Oculus in a great way is to go into different libraries, to go into different learning. If you just don't even want to get into the video games, like say you're just, I don't know when this would ever come up for some of us, but I don't want to play a video game today, but I want to use my VR. You can go and you can do a tour of Sweden or Japan or something along those lines, and they can give you a history lesson, which I find to be a really cool diversity that, yes, you can have VR as the video game thing that we like talking about, but you can also turn around and say, all right, I've played this game for like an hour and a half. I know I'm not supposed to be doing this anymore. Let me like calm down for a minute and tour Rome. Well, and, and that's, that's an experience that, cool? that is, yeah, that, I mean, that is cool. Cause like, I mean, Assassin's Creed Origins, they try to do something like that where your player would walk, you know, it's a third person action game. So your player would walk through certain areas and each point you would come to a little like waypoint where it would give you information on how they did things in the old days. And yeah, that's what, that's a good learning tool, but it's not quite the same as like you said, being able to walk through a city and experience it that way. So it's, I mean, there are definitely things that they can do a lot better in VR than we can with video games. And it's nice to have finally like a, like I guess a mix of the two where you have your standard video games with a controller, but then there's also something like VR that people can get into if they, you know, want to spend the extra money. And with something like Astro's Playroom, you know, that game was very much somewhere between a game and a tech demo. It was kind of both. But I think the video game developers have gotten a lot better at hiding what is actually a pure tech demo and actually making it more somewhat of a game than, you know, we had previously seen on, like, say, the play, the original PlayStation. So, um, you know, even something that comes across as a tech demo or is meant to show you what the device can do can still be fun like a game. And that's where it really comes down. And the problem, I think, is, is not having a lot of the, the first party going into the VRs. You're, you're getting a lot of third-party gamings, and it does happen to be another system's downfall sometimes with what they have on their store, where you get a lot of these indie games that don't properly show how the system works. And that's a big concern when it does come to VR for me, where you go into it, you say, okay, this looks like a cool game and it's a great concept for VR, but the studio and the production company that's making it doesn't have the technology or the means available to them to use the VR in the way it should be used or can be used. And you're getting a subpar VR game that has a really cool concept. And I think that's where a lot of us, including you guys, are sitting on the VR where it's a great concept. You know, people have great ideas for VR games. But unless they have 
the backing, the technology, the funding even to implement exactly how they want this game to be made and the support of VR being able to do that, I don't think it's going to pick up in the same way that a PS5 or an Xbox is going to be. Yes, it may take time and it may just get to that point where people get so pissed off that they can't play a game on a VR set that companies such as PlayStation finally go, here you go. Here's your money. Go. But I think it's going to be, there. there's going to be a change somewhere down the line. I just don't think it's going to be this iteration of it. Well, you know, as long as they continue to support VR2 and, you know, like as, you know, pickup of the Oculus is still positive, hopefully they will stick with it and we'll see a PSVR3. And by that point, I think we'll know, we can feel safe in assuming that, yeah, Sony's in this sort of long haul instead of, you know, we got a PSP and then we got a Vita and then it all kind of died after that. So I think by the third iteration, we will know whether, you know, we will finally have confirmation that they are in it for the long haul or, you know, even maybe on this generation, the VR2. Depending on how free the games flow and how, you know, the the support of the system is itself, we'll get a good indication. Uh, One of the games that was sure to have a ton of support at the start was Marvel's Avengers from Crystal Dynamics. And a bit of a sad note here, uh, coming from IGN.com and written by Kat Bailey, Marvel's Avengers to be delisted in September as development comes to an end. Quote, A little more than two years after its original release, Crystal Dynamics is preparing to end active development on the Marvel's Avengers, a decision it says it undertook in conjunction with our partners. According to a blog titled Final Update on the Future of Marvel's Avengers, support will discontinue on September 30th, after which digital purchases will no longer be available. All solo content will continue to be playable after support ends, and multiplayer will also remain available. Crystal Dynamics does not plan to release any new stories, features, or heroes making update 2.7, which added Winter Soldier and the Cloning Lab Omega level threat, the final content release for Avengers. Spider-Man will remain a PlayStation exclusive. The final balance update will be will up, up will be update 2.8, which will be released on March 31st, after where Crystal Dynamics says it will be turn off the cosmetics marketplace and credits will no longer be purchasable. Credits balance will be converted into in-game resources and all cosmetics will be made available for free. Um, reading one more thing here because I'm trying to... Okay, yeah. Um, quote, Community Insider Miller Ross first broke the news that Marvel's Avengers will be shutting down and that the team would be moved to uh, Amazon Games Tomb Raider Project. Um, so that kind of tells you where Crystal Dynamics and uh, where the team that worked on Marvel's Avengers will be heading. But yeah, I mean, this game... Obviously, coming off the heels of the MCU and um, Endgame had massive appeal for a lot of people, you know, if you hadn't been hit with superhero fatigue by now. and uh, But they kind of stumbled out of the gate. The game wasn't what people had expected. And while they certainly added more content and, and did much to improve the game after its initial release, I don't necessarily know that many of the people that were disappointed by its launch were willing to go back to it. I know that Tricky played it. Um, so it's a shame he's not here to talk more about this, but Yield and I never quite jumped on. And quite frankly, like I've talked about my moral fatigue. I am someone who watched almost every movie leading up to Endgame from Iron Man to Endgame. So I was a huge fan. We have Disney Plus and I've, you know, I've watched some of the stuff, but I don't know. This game just never seemed to fulfill the promise that 
I guess a lot of people had envisioned that it would. Um, Yield, sir. Um, and I, I, I'll pose this question to both of you all. So there. So if you own this game already, you will continue to be able to play it. Multiplayer and single player will continue to be a thing. Um, and it's nice that they're, you know, the cosmetic stuff is going free for people who already bought the game. Uh, that they're found a way to convert, you know, any credits you have into some kind of in-game stuff. Um, but is it kind of weird that they're going to just all out stop selling the game? Uh, Yield, we'll start with you. Uh, I would say yeah. Um, but that whole deal over there with Crystal Dynamics and Square Enix and I think there's something else. That whole thing over there or in is it no it's not Ubisoft. Anyway. Yeah, they, they were part they were part of Square there, and Square sold them to Embracer. Yeah, it's all kind of funky right now and weird it seems weird things are going on and I it's it's like it's not surprising, but at the same time, it's surprising. Does that make any sense? It because they promised to support this game forever, and then now all of a sudden, oh, we're done. So I, ever since they started splitting the company up and going here and there, it's just yeah, weird things are going on. And and like I said, like the content is there. If it's still playable. Why not let people, more people buy it? They just understand that there's not going to be more support for the game. There's not going to be more balanced patches. There's going to be no more characters added. Uh, Veronica, do you see that as weird? And can you think of another situation where you could still play the game? I mean, yeah, stuff gets delisted after a while. Like, stuff on the PlayStation 3 is delisted, but you can still play it. But we're talking about a game playable on, you know, the last two generations of consoles. Can you think of another game where they're like, hey, we're going to stop supporting this, and you can no longer buy it? I know that there were a few that popped up on Steam with it. And I can't, off the top of my head, I can't think of them. But it's such a rarity where... But it kind of also, like Yield said, it's the trend of whatever's going on with uh, Crystal Dynamics. But it's also a little worrying in my head about what these studios are thinking are the future of gameplay. So if you think about it that way, it's like, all right, we're, they're not going to support this. They're not going to do anything with it. There's not going to be an online. There's no new things. Fuck it. And it's weird to me because again, I would think that the content's there and it's still playable. You wouldn't, you want to recoup more of your money to, you know, right. to, you know, by having more people buy into it because people could still, you know, I guess because, uh, yeah, I mean, if the content's there, just make the money off it. But I, I, don't, I don't know what's going on with that. That's a little weird to me. But it's kind of given everything going on with Embracer and the fact that Crystal Dynamics is part of a new company, who knows, maybe Embracer just has a different vision and, and the way the things that uh, Crystal Dynamics are going to do, they're they're look into the future and not wanting to deal with any of that. I, I can't explain it. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it, it's a shame that that game, especially from Crystal Dynamics, Crystal Dynamics, proven developer, they do good stuff. It's a shame that that game never hit quite like it should have. But, um, you know, if nothing else, we can at least say that the Marvel's Avengers was not nearly disastrous as what's going on at Ubisoft right now. Um, 
We uh, so Veronica, we talked about this with uh, with Matt last week, and now you get to join too the conversation with uh, the the small house fire that's going on at Ubisoft. Um, this article was written by Carson Burton over on IGN.com. Uh, report: Ubisoft CEO apologizes to employees over ball in your court comments. Quote: Ubisoft is facing turbulent times financially and in house, and CEO Yves Guillemont was forced to reckon with co- recent comments he made shifting the blame to the staff. After canceling three unannounced games and delaying the release of Skull and Bones for a sixth time, Gilmont told employees the ball is in your court to help get the $3 billion company back on track. I'm going to stop there because at some point I thought when people were talking about Ubisoft possibly being bought, you know, up in the the firestorm of Sony bought Bungie, Microsoft bought Activision, you know, is is Sony, who's going to buy Ubisoft? I thought Ubisoft was like $6 billion, but now they're $3 billion? That seems like a low valuation for that company. Um, but maybe that's just me. Uh, back to the article. Quote: The changes at Ubisoft were scrapped up to uh, were scrapped up to a major challenges in the industry. The underperformance of Mario versus Mario plus Rabbids Sparks of Hope, which was this is me talking here, not the the article, which is weird because Mario games usually always sell well. Uh, back to the article and Just Dance 2023 and an upcoming restructuring for the publisher. On Wednesday, a new report from Kotaku revealed that Ubisoft had a company-wide Q&A to address the news of restructuring. There, the CEO apologized for his previous comments. This is a quote from Gamont. I heard your feedback, and I'm sorry that, that this was perceived that way, Gamont said, according to sources present. When saying the ball is in your court to deliver our lineup on time and at the expected level of quality, I wanted to convey the idea that more than ever, I need your talent and energy to make... It happened. This is a collective journey that starts, the, of course, with myself and the leadership team to create conditions for all of us to succeed together, end quote. Um, and uh, if that wasn't bad enough, uh, quote, according to Kotaku's report, some developers within the company still feel management is out of touch with the lower-level staff. The Q&A, which lasted an hour, also did not address the recent call for the strike at the company's Paris studio. Solidaire's inform- informatique Ubisoft's Paris Tech Union asked the companies to go on strike in response to Gamont's previous comments. The strike will reportedly last half a day on uh, January 27th. Ubisoft's particularly poor 2022 included no marquee blockbuster releases. Several projects were delayed, trapped in development hell, or simply failed uh, to find a substantial audience. Um, so Yves Gamont puts his foot in his mouth, um, and maybe his comments were perceived the wrong way, but you know, when it comes to when you're addressing an entire company of people, when you're putting stuff out there, you have to think before you send an email or you put something in a press release or you say something at a Q and A, you have to be understand or fully aware of what of how any of your comments can be perceived. So whether or not he meant it a certain way, obviously they were taken that way by a lot of people and he probably should have thought about that before he said it. And Ubisoft as a company, just as a whole, needs, seems like they need some new guidance. It seems like they're not only out of touch with their lower level, you know, teams or the development teams, but also with you know the marketplace in general and the people who buy games. Um, so uh, we've gotten Matt's opinions on kind of what's going on at Ubisoft, uh, Veronica. I I don't know how much you guys talk about video game news at home, but uh, what are your thoughts on all of this? And you know, you know, Gomont's walking back his previous or his clarification of his previous statements, but also Ubisoft in general and the games that they're putting out. It's, I think it's like the idea where you think you're good, but you're not good. 
like that higher tier of stuff where you sit there and you're like, oh, okay, like we're Ubisoft. We can do nothing wrong. And then all of a sudden things go wrong. <laughs> and um, we tend to do our video game news like separately. And then we kind of come together. Hey, did you hear about XYZ? We don't really talk about it outside of that. But we find it interesting with this one that you would think a company as big as Ubisoft, as big as they are, even though the games that they have put out have not been the greatest recently, wouldn't say something to the degree that they said it. You're coming off of a of a huge backlash on other big companies for the same crap. I mean, look at uh, Blizzard. And if we just go into that whole debacle of what they did to their developers and what they did to women in the company in general, right? You would think a CEO of a company that has seen something so big go down for stuff that went on behind the scenes to put something out on stage like alright people fuck up it's your fault that this is shitty like this if that's not what he meant to say like what and I would pose this to you like I would pose this question to you guys like what he had said the ball is in your court like what other way other than it's your fault, not mine, or it's the developer's fault, not the upper management, what other way could that have been perceived? I honestly am not sure because, hey, like, I mean, he is essentially, you look at a football team, we talked about the NFL playoffs earlier, the quarterback, a lot of times where the head coach takes the blame, because they are seen as leaders of the company. Gamont, as a CEO, is definitely the leader of the company. So, in a way, whether he meant to or not, that comment kind of shows that he is taking the blame off himself and placing it on, on the people making the games. And what makes this worse is, I think that this was in an email that he sent out. And the fact that you couldn't type out this email, read it, and be like, you know what, this this probably doesn't sound right, dude. Like, don't just send it out there. Don't just fling it out there. Like, read it and actually think about what it means. I, obviously a blunder and I think that Ubisoft has kind of gotten a lot of good grace from gamers in the fact that you know Activision gets a lot of hate deserve it EA gets a lot of hate deserve it and especially we'll see how they do with Dead Space the remake coming out this week and how much hate they get from me from that or love if the game is fantastic which I'm hoping it is but Ubisoft has kind of managed to and, and despite the fact that they've had issues in the past uh, at their own company with, I believe, like sexual harassment and, you know, stuff like that. You know, they haven't been free of controversy, but they've also escaped a lot of the scrutiny that Activision and EA have come under. But now it seems like it's hitting them hard. And I don't know if it's just that it cycles around and it hits game companies at different times. But it seems like now that there's really a lot of people watching Ubisoft. And not that they're necessarily the evil empire, but it's just like, Ubisoft, you gotta step your game up. And, you know... People are, are less like, oh, you know, bleep EA and more like, okay, Ubisoft, 
Now, now our eyes are on you. You are now seen as uh, not a big bad, but just like you are seen in a very negative light that you don't normally are not in in that position. Uh, yield your your take on this. Like someone sends this email out to you at work. What are your thoughts? Like a, a higher level, the uh, owner of the company. So- Sends that email out to me. Uh, you're the head of the ship, buddy. Uh, you know, uh, we're down here in the trenches. <laughs> the ball's not in my court. You're the one that dropped it, is is my response. Um, so, yeah, he... That just sounds like damage control to me. I mean, it sounds like to me he was deflecting. You know, well, the ball's in your court. I did what I could do up here, up here at the top. Um, it goes back, it, this makes me go back to when, I forget how long ago it was, it was a few months ago, and I can't remember who was on the show, but we were sitting around here talking about Ubisoft, kind of poking fun at them, and uh, we we were, I don't know if it was, it was before the show or something, but we're, we're, we're chit-chatting, and we're talking about like what games does Ubisoft make, Ubisoft make, because we couldn't really think of any right off the top of our head. And someone pulled it up and started reading down the list, and I was like, doggone, man, I own a lot of those games. I'm like, you know, and I and there was a stretch, I don't know, three or four years ago, where Ubisoft made a lot of games where I'm like, man, I want to play that, I want to play that, and I have them, and I'm playing them. I'm playing through the DLC for Immortals Phoenix Rising, which is a good game. And I, oh, Matt loves that game. Well, I just, I'm kind of confused. Because they do make good games. You know, the Ghost Recon Wildlands was really good. Breakpoint had troubles, but I've heard people who stuck around with it that they fixed it. Immortals Phoenix Rising is really good. The Assassin's Creed games were, you know, were were good. I think people kind of got tired of them at the end. And it's just, I'm trying to think of where did the company go wrong? Did they have too many irons in the fire, you know, because, you know, at least from my gaming standpoint, they make games that I like to play. Now, this Skull and Bones, Duke Nukem Forever developmental hell isn't really helping matters any, but I, yeah, I'm just kind of confused of of where everything went wrong, and then the CEO telling the, uh, the employees at the balls in your court to get $3 billion back on track. That's, you know, th- their job is to make good games. Your job is to sell them or to green light good ones and not green light too many. So I, if, if we were going over- to, to me, to me, this looks like a totally, it looks kind of mismanagement, you know, just like when crystal dynamics came out and said the tomb Raider rebuilt, or reboot was a fail, and that just flabbergasted like the gaming community. Yeah, and so with Ubisoft, I think, and and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but it comes across as their problems are twofold, and that one, their over reliance on sequels and not really putting out anything new of note in the last few years. Like I think uh, Matt made a point on last week's show that. 25% of their games or something like that on their release schedule were Assassin's Creed. So Correct. that's a lot. And not only that, but it's just poor management of your projects. So not, o- yeah. not only do you have uh, at the, the the latest call, 
three unannounced games scrapped, uh, several delays, and you have games that, and this is like the second news we've heard of this, so they've scrapped more games in the past year. Um, I can't remember how many, but they've, they've scrapped multiple, like multiple times in the past. Yeah. They scrapped, they scrapped a few at the end of 2022. Yeah. Yeah. So they've scrapped multiple times in the last year. They have scrapped three projects. uh, Well, maybe not three, but they've, they've scrapped, I made announcements twice about scrapping games and delaying games. So it's not just like projects like skull and bones and beyond good and evil Two. Good and evil Two. Those are games that you just look at all the games that have been canceled, all the unannounced games, you know, that we're not getting, all of the delays, and then those two particular games in Skull and Bones and Beyond Good and Evil, and just like, what is the management at this company like? Gil- because I don't know if it's Gilmont himself or the people under him or what needs to happen, the studio heads, but how you don't have Skull and Bones out by now after the amount of money that you poured into that game, and the same for Beyond Good and Evil too. You have had so much time to get that game out, and the fact that it's still sitting in queue is ridiculous, and we don't have any serious release date for it i we don't have anything on other than that really awesome announced trailer that hey we're working on it correct and that was at the game awards so i I mean because i because i never played the first one and i saw that game trailer and i'm like sign me up that thank you I, i i want that game you know i was the same thing with skull and bones i was like sign me up i want that game there is no way i'm gonna say this now there is no way and I'll be glad if I'm wrong that Skull and Bones is going to make up the, to make the money that it costs them to develop it. No, but as as long as it's been delayed, it's 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 not. It's going to be a failure in in the eyes of you know what it costs to develop and what they made. I'm saying it right now, and I'm probably going to buy it because I like pirate games. So, but still, I, I think the issue comes into play and this is something that you just said in this, they're extremely reliant on their quote-unquote blockbuster games. So anything that has to deal with the Assassin's Creed series. So you have all of these Assassin's Creed XYZ, like Climbing Pyramid 3.0, well, what developers did you pull off of Beyond Good and Evil 2 or Skull and Bones so that you can make a game that's only been out a year a sequel? Like, where is that? What's happening with that team? Or are you pulling off writers and coders and uh, artists from your newer projects or your newer IPs because you're too scared to put those IPs out and you're going to switch them over to something that you think is still a good, like, cash out. Yeah, I mean, well, not only that, but when you have, there's a lot of flux within Assassin's Creed because obviously they started to go more open world with it, started with Origins and Odyssey and then Valhalla, and they've had a lot of success with that. And then they made... Uh, an announcement that they were going to go with a multi-pronged approach when it comes to Assassin's Creed. So, there, I mean, Mirage is supposed to be coming out this year. It's part of the big, you know, PlayStation advertising and big push of, hey, look at these games. You're coming out for on your PlayStation 5 this year. But even within their biggest franchise or one of their biggest franchises, there's a lot of uncertainty right now. So, 
with Ubisoft, I I hope they succeed because like they make good games. Even if I don't buy all their games or that many other games, I want to see them succeed because I think they do make very good games. But they've got to figure out what their big problem is. First of all, don't send emails like that. But also, like with your your game lineup, you know it's okay to have longstanding franchises. I will still buy a, a Ratchet and Clank game when it comes out. Because no matter how old that franchise is, I still love playing that franchise. So it's okay to have games like that and series like that. But, but, but you also have have to have I newer will, stuff too. I will defend the Ratchet and Clank series and the fact that they didn't, and to use the pun correctly, they didn't Assassin's Creed it where they had two different developers pumping out a game every other year to where you had an Assassin's Creed game every year. Correct. I feel like Assassin's Creed is coming more like Call of Duty or um, those types of games. Yeah, Battlefield. Thank you. I, do, I don't play them if you can't tell. No, don't um, about I don't either, but I know what you were get, got, yeah. getting to. Getting to, but or a Madden or an NCAA or whatever. You know, your Assassin's Creed's are coming out like that. I will do the same thing with a Ratchet and Clank. It's one of those not as bad as Kingdom Hearts, but not as Assassin's Creed as Assassin's Creed. Where it was the right amount of time between the games. But when you promise something, especially to gamers where I did play Beyond Good and Evil, right? You're now not kingdom hearting this shit. You're just doing something else to it. And I don't know if it is. I mean, if we take something that's not gaming related, but it links up to the gaming, anything that's happening in the world of economics right now and technology and inflation. Right? Like. Can they not upgrade their technology to create these games that they thought that they could by this time? Or are they unable to hire people at the prices that they used to hire people? And they're stuck now with the like with people that are basically unable to create the game. Well, I mean, when you don't have, as the, as the article said, when you don't have a marquee release in 2022 for an entire year right. and you delay things and delay things and when people start to wonder if it'd be better just to scrap skull and bones altogether, you've got an issue. So management's a problem. I mean, they need to manage their projects a lot better because obviously there's quality there, but whatever they're making uh, obviously is taking longer to put out than they expected. So their projections. They, I mean, they they got to do something. I, I'm not saying. I, I obviously, I'm not in a part of the company, so I can only speculate so much. But it seems like project management is probably the largest area of, of responsibility that they need to shore up coming up here uh, within this next year. So Mirage will will be out this year, and we'll see what turns they take with Assassin's Creed after that. But I mean, if Mirage isn't a big hit, then you got to wonder. What Ubisoft has to cancel next, where do they turn next, and what does that mean for Assassin's Creed? Do they have to then cancel one of the Assassin's Creed games they were planning? It's it's a mess. Do we ever get an Immortals Phoenix Rising sequel? I think Tricky brought that up on last week's show. You know, with all this these struggles, like, very positive 
response to Mortals Phoenix Rising, Matt, Tricky, and Yield have all really enjoyed that game. Oh yeah, you would love it, Alex. I'm, I'm not. You, I, and yeah, you would absolutely. I've watched. I always want to use Matt's um, gamer tag when I'm talking because when I do my streams, I use his gamer tag. So when I'm having these conversations with you talking about games, I just want to say Ender. <laughs> well, for, from now on, we know. So if you want to use it, go ahead. So Ender is part of his gamer name. And I just sit there and I go, I enjoyed watching him playing that game. And you would love it. I mean, and, and beside, like I said, besides just the story, the combat was actually, it was actually really fun. It never seemed overly... The, the, the times that I would die or do something bad, it was because I did something bad. It's not mm -hmm. like it was because it was too hard. It was the right amount of hard, but it was because I did something bad. So it's just, it's like Ubisoft makes certain games that are really good. Like I said, you know, Immortals. Uh, I mean, the, the Division still, you know, yeah. people love the Division. I enjoyed the first game. I haven't delved into the second. But they, they make... Uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands was really good. So they got these games that they make, and then they either oversaturate them with sequels, or the games that are really good, like Immortals, they don't... It's like they don't embrace it enough. I felt Sony pushed Immortals more than Ubisoft did. So I just... I don't know. I, I think I kind of agree with Alex. It, it the, the, the team's there... They, they've shown that they can put out good stuff. I think they need to manage the company better. And I think maybe up front needs to wake up instead of just, you know, they've gotten so big and they were on cloud nine with this Assassin's Creed high that they need to, you know, they need to make more individual or solo games. And they just kind of need a company... Company restructure is really not the word I want to use. Maybe they need a management restructure because the company's there. You know, you've got the catalog. You can see they've got good games. And they've got franchises where they could still reinvent those games. You know, they got... Uh, uh, why am I drawing a blank? Sam Fisher. Splinter Cell? Splinter Cell. Splinter Cell, thank you. So, I mean, they've, they've got a catalog. It's there. It's just, I think people have kind of lost, maybe they're chasing dollar signs. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, Ubisoft's not going to be a quick fix, but clearly there is a, I, I think the public embarrassment that they have sustained over the past six months, and especially with this second round of, hey, we're delaying this, hey, we're canceling, and just the joke that has become Skull and Bones. Hey, you're going to have Skull and Bones by the end of the year. Oh, hey, we're going to push it. Till the first of next year. Oh, hey, it's going to be the first quarter of next year. I, I think that Ubisoft has suffered, uh, suffered uh, enough public embarrassment where they actually – we may see some change there. I'm not saying that Yves Gilmont is going to no longer be CEO, but I – for them to be continued so, – Some heads need some heads need to roll? For them to be continued to be yeah. successful, there needs to be some changes at that company. And I, I like I said, I think there's been enough public – turmoil where people you know because infighting in a company a lot of times we don't see that publicly but we've seen it publicly now and they i, I would 
assume that they recognize, all right, this is out in the public and we are a big game company. We need to get our stuff together. So, Otherwise, you're going to turn into Activision. <laughs> or a Blizzard. Or a Blizzard, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to do that. Yeah. No, people, people are definitely not happy with Ubisoft right now, just like some people are not very happy with multiplayer trophies on the PlayStation console. Uh, this comes from PlayStationLifestyle.net. PS4 and PS5 trophy hunters now petitioning for removal of multiplayer trophies from the Platinum. Quote, some PlayStation players... Oh, this is from Zarmina Khan, the author. Quote, some PlayStation players are now petitioning for PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 trophies to drop multiplayer requirement for the Platinum trophy in some games. Last month, a popular Reddit thread highlighted the plight of dedicated trophy hunters who have been pointed out examples of single-player games with tacked-on multiplayer trophies that often end up locking them out of the coveted Platinum. Now they're demanding action. Server closures impacting trophies aside, players say that multiplayer trophies in the game that are primary single-player are a bad idea because they are essentially paywalled. With PlayStation Plus being a requirement for multiplayer, those who want to platinum single-player games are stuck having to purchase subscription should they require playing online for every single game. Uh, quote, uh, of course, multiplayer games like Call of Duty and Battlefield will always have multiplayer trophies, reads the change.org petition uh, that they got via Reddit, that'll probably go nowhere. However, in games that are mostly offline-oriented, like The Last of Us or Uncharted 4, multiplayer trophies should exist in parallel where, way where they don't affect the Platinum Trophy. Uh, I hate to say it, Sony's unlikely to see the petition, but the effort to get it its attention is commendable. So... Uh, essentially, what the change.org petition is saying is you can still have multiplayer trophies, just make them separate like DLC that they're not required to earn those or unlock those trophies for the Platinum Trophy. Um, and a big point that they make is that by requiring PlayStation Plus, you are essentially requiring people to pay money if they're primarily, you know, single-player uh, game players. So if you just play like... Yes. Bioshock or something like that, hey, uh, they argue that I shouldn't have to pay for multiplayer trophies because I just want to play single-player stuff I don't want to play online. How do you all feel about – I mean, Veronica, obviously you're not as big into trophies as we are. Um, but do you see a point to this and that – do you really think it's that big of a deal to where people are saying that, well, I shouldn't have to pay for you know the online services if I just want to play single-player games and get the Platinum Trophy? Is it really that big of a deal? For me, yes. And it's what I think it's one of the reasons why I'm not a trophy hunter. My game base is single player offline games. Why would if I wanted to get a uh let's just I, I don't even know and you can kill me in the comments with this. Like I don't know if there's a platinum trophy that I can get for Kingdom Hearts. Right? But if you're telling me that I have to do the gummy ship online battles to get that platinum trophy when that's not something that I want to do because it's a single player game, I don't want to like I don't want to go online and fight somebody for a story driven game. Yield, sir. How do you feel about this as someone who is big into the PlayStation trophies and, well, you have PlayStation Plus. I personally think that anyone who has a PlayStation, if you can afford it, you should have PlayStation Plus because I think there's a lot of great value in PlayStation Plus. Not everybody may feel that way. And to be honest, I don't play online all that much with anybody. 
I mean, I enjoy playing, you know, Rocket League with friends, and I'm sure that at some point there'll be another multiplayer game that I enjoy playing in a group with, but I don't use multiplayer that much. Um, but I still play, think PlayStation Plus is worth it. Do you, is are multiplayer trophies and lost platinums or having to pay for PlayStation Plus, does that really bug you all that much? And do you see the, you know, any kind of credence to this argument? So we've discussed this before on, on, on the show in, in a roundabout way. Um, I agree and disagree with, with, with the petition because, you know, some multiplayer trophies, like they mentioned Uncharted 4, their, their multiplayer trophies had always been just, hey, try this out. You know, 4 was a little bit more involved, but not much more involved. Whereas The Last of Us, you had to devote a huge chunk of time, which is why I never got the platinum for it. And at the time, my internet was not cooperative with that multiplayer game. So, um, I see, I, I see what they're saying. And as a trophy hunter or a trophy whore, depending on what side of the spectrum you stand on, I, I agree with the fact that there are sometimes some unnecessary multiplayer trophies. We've talked about how, you know, we, we don't, you know, that they shoehorn in a multiplayer aspect and then they kind of split their trophy list to half multiplayer, half single player, but you could tell that the majority of their game was single player focused. I will point to the Tomb Raider reboot as one of those games, whereas I can give them credit for their multiplayer where I can see where they were had some good ideas, it just wasn't implemented well. But to get that platinum, you had to suffer through it. Uh, we've talked about that, it, you know, if when the time comes to close the server down, then you should, it would be nice, I shouldn't say you should, it would be nice if you did an update that would still allow you to get the platinum, but you just, you know, like you said, now you move the multiplayer trophies to maybe a DLC. You're not going to get the 100%, but you can still get the platinum. And those of you who got the platinum before this update were to happen, well, it doesn't affect you. You can have that, you know, little flag that says, look, I did it before, you know, everything got moved to DLC. So I, it, it, I guess it's nice that they're making a petition. Sony isn't going to step in that. They're just going to let, you know, Sony has said, you know, hey, we need trophies. It's up to you whether you want a platinum or not, and it's up to you how you want to do the list. We just need you just gotta have trophies for our games. So I don't ever think that they're gonna throw down a law that says, you know, single player game only trophies unless you're, you know, an online only game. I don't ever see that happening. Um, but like I said, those of us that go for these kind of trophies, it would be nice that when you close the servers you'd still make the platinum available. But I don't think that'll happen either because at that point when you're pulling the plug, you've devoted everybody to other projects. There's nobody around to code that. So yeah, I, I, I hope I answered your question. I think that I agree with you that PlayStation Platinum should always be attainable. If you're selling trophies as a, as a selling point to get people to buy games, and let's be honest, people buy certain games because of trophies, and I'm not just talking about spam. Like some people will buy a certain game that they never would have played before because of the trophies. Like, oh, you know, I can get an easy platinum and still enjoy this game. 
or you know they they something's free for PlayStation Plus and it has like a, a platinum trophy that someone can attain. It's like okay, yeah, I'll play that. So it's a selling point. So to me, the PlayStation trophy or the platinum trophy should always be attainable. Uh, if servers are shut down, like you said, make sure to if you can take any multiplayer trophies or anything like that out of it. And again, this isn't just a Sony issue. It's Sony allows the developers, you know, there's a lot of third-party developers involved in trophies. Like, you know, every game has to have a trophy, so it's not just Sony first-party games. So it's kind of up to everyone how they implement this stuff into games. So it's not just Sony's call. They can't necessarily mandate that, and I can understand why they wouldn't want to be, like, that heavy-handed when it comes to how different teams and different developers handle their trophies. Um, But I do agree, Platinum should always be attainable. Uh, multiplayer trophies are incredibly annoying and I understand that PlayStation Plus is an extra cost. So, you know, I don't tell any, I don't earn money for anybody and I don't tell anybody how how to spend their money, or at least I try not to get up on a soapbox very often. Um, to me, it's not a massive deal. It's just a trophy. It's not a necessity. You don't need trophies to play games. They are selling points. So yes, Sony is making money off them. All these game companies are making money off them. So I can understand, believe me, I like to get hundred percent of my trophy list, just like everybody else. I'm one of my goals this year is to get up to 88% completion of all my trophies. So I, I get it. I understand. Um, is it something, you know, vital, integral to the video game system that we have this split? No. I generally believe let the game making and the trophies and all that kind of stuff be left to the developer. If I can't get a platinum trophy, bummer. Or I can't get 100% bummer, but it's fine. I'll survive. Um, so, I mean, obviously change is there to for stuff like this. I would, you know, hope that, you know... There's a, a, a more focus on more important social issues than trophies. Um, again, this is a hobby we all like to do, and trophies are an important part of that. So, again, I get it. Um, so, while I don't think it's the biggest deal in the world, if somebody else wants to make this petition and they can get enough eyes on it, and it makes people consider things, and Sony says, well, you know, maybe for our first-party games, this, or maybe if developers start moving away from the multiplayer trophies, then hey, that's great. Um because let's be real, a lot of times stuff like that is tacked on, multiplayer is tacked on. You know, there's some games that are natively just best for multiplayer, but there are a lot of games, especially single player, like, you know, your Uncharted games and Last of Us and all that kind of stuff. Ratchet and Clank. Where, you know, sometimes multiplayer, and I'm not just like picking out Sony games here, but the multiplayer can be added just so you don't take the game back to GameStop or you don't resell it right away after you beat it. Um, so it's it's a way to cushion the playtime of a game to get people to invest more time in it. So I get it. Multiplayer trophies can be annoying. Is it super important? Not really. But if, you know, through feedback from the fans, if Sony can continue to evolve and improve and, you know, Sony and their partners can continue to improve the, you know, the trophy process and, you know, trophy lists and all that kind of stuff. I'm all for that. Um, Am I going to go sign the petition? No. But again, anybody else who wants to, yeah. It's there. Go ahead and do it. And like like I said, it's like game development, you know, all the in-game rewards and achievements that come with those things are constantly evolving to make things better. You know, more, not just easier, but, you know, more challenging, more rewarding. So if we can improve that, I'm, I'm always up for suggestions. So, uh, yeah, uh, we're going to get out of here after our last topic here because uh, we are running pretty long here. Uh, but we we held off on this from last week, and I definitely think that, you know, it's something we can get through this week, especially with the, uh, the Dice Awards coming up. Um, so uh, what we'll do now is we're going to go through the 
uh, nominees for the Dice Awards uh, coming up, uh, the 26th Annual Awards coming up in February. This article comes from IGN, by, written by Matt Kim. The headline is 26th Annual Dice Awards Game of the Year Nominees Announced. Uh, and again, these will be uh, revealed in February. Uh, quote, the Academy of Arts, excuse me, the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences, or the AIAS, has announced its nominees for the 26th Dice Awards with Sony Santa Monica's God of War Ragnarok leading the pack with 12 nominations. The annual video game award recognizes the best uh, games of the year as chosen by members of the AIAS, and the winners are chosen at an annual show, award show hosted in Las Vegas. This year's event will be hosted on February 23rd on IGN. Uh, so we're going to get into the categories now. And uh, Veronica, since this is your first time with us doing something like this, uh, I'm just going to go down the awards list and name the nominees. And if there's something you want to talk about, a game you want to give a little love to, or you say, you know, I, I can't believe that game didn't make it, or, you know, oh, man, that game definitely deserves to win, uh, please stop me. And we can discuss. Um, otherwise, I'll, I'll keep going through and we'll just plot through the list. Sound good? Mm-hmm. Okay. The first award is the outstanding achievement in animation and the nominees are cup cuphead the delicious last course dlc elden ring god of war ragnarok uh, moss book two and horizon forbidden west next category outstanding achievement in art direction call of duty modern warfare 2 didn't think i would see that in art direction list god of war ragnarok horizon forbidden west stray and the callisto protocol Outstanding Achievement in Character, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, Alejandro Vargas, God of War Ragnarok, Atreus, God of War Ragnarok, Kratos, Horizon Forbidden West, Aloy, and Return to Monkey Island, Guybrush, Threepwood. I love... There, there's my there's my front runner right there. Mighty Pirate. Love seeing some love for Guybrush. Outstanding Achievement in Original Music Composition, A Plague Tale Requiem, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Metal Hellsinger, which again, once that was nominated for the Game Awards, we heard a lot about how good that uh, that soundtrack is. It is such a good game. So soundtrack and game, though, very good. It both in Matt is a metalhead, one hundred percent a metalhead, and for to see him geek out over the music that was made for that game is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Is it Was it like, specifically created for the game, or is it licensed music? Correct. No, 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 no. Like, the music is specifically made for the game, but they have, um, like, lead singers from metal bands actually doing the singing. It's just like, it was, it's one of those things that Matt and not just the, our video game love for each other, like our video game loves, he got me into music in general. I wasn't a big music person until I met him. And metal happened to be one of the first things that he introduced me to. I, our wedding song is Nothing Else Matters by Metallica. So, to see his elation when he was playing this game and how he just, it, it, it was a different 
look on a video game that I've watched him play than I see him when he's playing his Legend of Zelda or his Horizon Forbidden West. You know, it's just a pure joy that he is playing this game. Like, hard as hell as a game, but just it, there was just a different look to him when he was playing this. Yeah, I, that's one of those games that after I heard about it on uh, via the Game Awards, I'm like, I see it in the store and it's like, is today the day? Is today the day? Um, the other game nominated for that category, which was original uh, Outstanding Achievement in Original Music Composition, was Moss Book 2. Next category is Outstanding Achievement in Audio Design. A Plague Tale Requiem, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, God of War Ragnarok, Gotham Knights, and Somerville. Outstanding Achievement in Story, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, I Was a Teenage Exocolonist, Immortality, and Norco. Outstanding Technical Achievement, just Outstanding Technical Achievement. A Plague Tale Requiem, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, and Teardown. Action Game of the Year, Bayonetta 3, Grounded, Neon White, Sifu, and Vampire Survivors. So, uh, Veronica, I, I'll stop here um, real quick. You guys have a Switch. Have either one of you played Bayonetta 3? Because I played the first two and I'm very interested in the third one and I'm, I just haven't bit yet. No. Uh, it just kind of been under the radar, kind of a uh, put on the back burner game because of everything else that's come out. Yeah, it, it either seems like in games there's either nothing to play or too much to play. When re- And that's 100% where I'm <laughs> in at. In right reality, now. there's probably always too much to play. We just aren't always. We don't care. And, and that's the whole thing. Like, my. Like, my brain for this entire November, December, January was uh, fire emblem, fire emblem, fire emblem. Like, that's all my brain did for in video games. Like, I had to sit there and think, what game did I want to play for my birthday charity stream? It was just kind of like, do I want to play Persona 5? Like, do I want to play Tales of Espera? Like, and I picked up the game that I picked up. So, like, a lot of these action games, like, I've seen The Vampire Survivors, I've seen uh, Grounded, and I've seen play of Bayonetta. Nothing that I'm like, I have to play that. Bayonetta 3, obviously, is a game that I probably will eventually come back to, because I did enjoy. One was good, two was even better, and I have heard good things about three. But, uh, yeah, me too. It's just one I've put on the back burner. I was just curious that uh, if you guys had played it yet. No, there's definitely a game in here that, that Matt has played. Uh, Adventure Game of the Year, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Norco, Stray, and the game I was referencing, Tunic. That Yeah, I was, I was going to say. So, um, let's not kid ourselves. God of War Ragnarok is probably going to win most of the awards, unless Elden Ring is in the way. I, I would like to see for Horizon, Horizon Forbidden West get a few nods here and there. But if you have not seen the trailer for Tunic. Oh, it's an amazing game. I am picking this up, especially, and I'm saying this, if 
One, go look at it anyway because it looks absolutely amazing. Two, I got an absolutely huge Zelda vibe it from is. watching this trailer. So this is on my, I'm going to purchase at some time this year and play that game because I was like, at first I'm like, oh, this is kind of cute. I'll watch the trailer. And I'm like, oh my God, this is like a furry Zelda. Let's do this. So I'm going to be a horrible, horrible guest here. It's on Xbox Game Pass. You know, on, okay. So, <laughs> like, I don't have. I I'm not so married to PlayStation through PlayStation that if you know if he, if somebody can like I understand the Game Pass is a great thing and if somebody can go get play a game for free somewhere else or not free but for a subscription versus have to pay for it. I mean, I understand from it, yeah. If you have that subscription, then yeah, then go. Yeah, right no, there. I'm not going to deter you from that. So, I mean, if this were tricky, tricky probably would have you know. He would have put a hex on you or something. No, no, he'd have got on his Sony high horse. But that, and that's the whole thing. It's just, and here's, and this is just me saying this, like I can do my Xbox game pass on my PC. And with the PlayStation games coming to PC, I mean, PC is, you know, aside from, you know, playing Nintendo games. Viable, but not right now. Yeah, a year a year after they released on the PlayStation, but um Right, but it's kind of like like one of my farming games, uh Coral Island. It's in beta right now. So what did they do? They released it as a beta on the game like the Game Pass, Xbox Game Pass, for the people that have that membership, like a PlayStation Plus or something like that, to try. I mean, and that's how Ender played Tunic, and it was just so cute to see. I loved it. Yeah, I mean, when you first see Tunic, one, I don't know which thought comes first, but the first two thoughts that came to my head were Green Tunic, Shield, Zelda. Also, uh-huh. super cute. <laughs> exactly. Super cute. Like, those are the first two things that came to my head. I can't... First two I things. I can't tell you... <laughs> oh, and Fox was was somewhere in there, but I can't, uh, I can't tell you what order those came in. Actually, maybe <laughs> Zelda, cute, Fox. Probably, probably in that regard. Probably, yeah, I I would agree with that. But yeah, I mean, that's a game that honestly, like God of War right now is going to get its due. I would love to see Horizon Forbidden West win one award. Um, yeah, Stray Stray's got a lot of love. It won some stuff at the Game Awards, so I would love to see Tunic like an upset victory in Adventure of the Game of the Year. I God of War Ragnarok's probably going to win it, but I would also like because this is mostly industry folk voting for these. Right, Tunic has a shot. Yeah. Family Game of the Year, Disney's Dreamlight Valley, which we've talked about a little earlier, Kirby's Dream Buffet, Lost in Play, Mario plus Rabbit Sparks of Hope, and Trombone Champ. Sorry if I sounded a little surprised at that uh, Trombone Champ. I just did not expect to see that game there. Or that a game like that exists. I don't know, I don't know why I'm surprised. Uh, fighting Game... It, it's. I think it's the second part. <laughs> Fighting Game of the Year, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure All-Star Battle R, Multiverses, Rumbleverse, Spider-Hack, and King of Fighters 15. Uh, keep in mind... I hope to God it's Spider-Hack. So, well, I was going to say Multiverses won at the Game of the Awards, but what, what is Spider-Hack? So Spider-Hack is basically... Um, have you ever seen uh, like a human fall flat or something like that? Where it's more of a um, a physics fighting. 
So that's what spider heck is. If you, if you YouTube spider heck, so you are spiders that start off with lightsabers. Whoa, whoa. Like Jindal and Grievous you, in every arm? Yeah. And, or a single one. And you have to like launch yourself at, it's multiplayer. And you launch yourself at each other, trying to kill each other as a spider in a physics-based thing, fighting each other. And then sometimes it's like, all right, well, you have bombs and you got to figure out how to put the bombs on there. And then you have to shoot your web so you don't go into the lava. When you get four of the closest friends that you have ever had gaming for 15 years playing this game, your wife sits behind you and laughs for two hours. I don't know. I've never heard of this game it before. Is Neither have I. I'm looking at it up right now. Freaking fantastic. When she said spiders with lightsabers, I was like, okay, I gotta look this up. It is amazing. Like, I sit there... There are like two or three games that uh, Matt and his group of three guy friends play that it is just, I have to sit and watch because it is just so hilarious. But I, if anything, if anything is good, I would want Spider Hack to win that. Well, and... These award shows, you know, you you have your heavy hitters, you have your AAA games, but also this is a right. good. I'd never heard of a game like Cult of the Lamb, and because of, oh, because of the Game Awards, I mm-hmm. that's a game that I have almost. I'm, it's on the tip of my tinger, my tip of my fingers of purchasing. So that I mean, this award shows. You know, I I actually was watching the trailer for that, or I don't know if it was a trailer. I was reading about it on the PlayStation Store because I was like, I've heard about this, and I was like, hmm. This might be something I might pick up because it just seems weird enough that I would mm-hmm. enjoy it. If you want a good review of it, ask Matt to tell you about it. He is absolutely loves that game, Cult of the Lamb. Yeah, I, I mean, like the, these award shows, they are definitely a good way to bring to mm-hmm. life some of these smaller games. So, um. Yeah, uh, I think we are all voting for. I think it's called Spider Hack. It's Spider Heck. I, I, it's Spider. Yeah, I don't Hack. know why. Yeah, that uh, that, that makes well, a little you, more sense. You can guarantee Tricky won't play it. Oh, yeah, oh, he won't. But what if there was he like won't. some like Tricky? I'll donate this much money nope. to your Patreon if you play Spider Heck. No, he will no, not. He won't. I was watching the trailer. He won't play it. He won't. It's like I was playing Pokemon, and there is. A single Pokemon that is based spider on a spider. Ops. Is that his name? I don't remember what it is. But he will not watch me play. He will not come to my stream if I'm playing Pokemon because there is that spider Pokemon that can show up. I, actually, I think now I think it's Spider Ops is the name because I, I listen to a Pokemon podcast. Haven't bought the game yet, but I do listen to a Pokemon podcast. But I think it's Spider Ops. Mm-hmm. But well, if you ever don't want Tricky hanging around, time to pop on the old Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Yeah. Oh, man, I completely forgot that tonight is Pokemon night. (laughs) All right, continuing with the nominees, Racing Game of the Year. Unfortunately, no spiders with lightsabers in this category. F1 22, Gran Turismo 7, and Need for Speed Unbound. Role-playing Game of the Year, Citizen Sleeper, Elden Ring, 
Weird West, a game that I have recently played and planned, World of Warcraft, Dragonflight, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Uh, Dragonflight being uh, the newest expansion for, for WoW. Did you play any of that, Veronica? No. No. I left World of Warcraft years ago, but just a couple of my friends that are part of my stream team uh, are were big World of Warcraft people, and it's this iteration and the whole going back to classic just it didn't make anything enjoyable for the game ever again. Ugh, you don't like to hear that. Because I mean, for for I I know how people invest in people get into WoW, and it's one of those things where when you finally break away, I assume that you're you're kind of done. You're not look. Yeah, and that's and that's really what it is. It's when you get to that point. Like we have friends that still play World of Warcraft daily, but it's both Ender and I got away with it a long time ago. And I just cannot see myself spending X to do Y. Is really what it comes down to. Yeah, and it's probably not good not to give Blizzard money until they get all their stuff figured out. Yeah, no. Sports Game of the Year. EA Sports FIFA 23. Mario Strikers Battle League, a game I wish was much better than it actually is. MLB The Show 2022. NBA 2K23 and Ole Ole World. Ole 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 Ole. <laughs> I was gonna say, am I pronouncing it wrong? And they're like, oh, I see what you're doing there. I have no idea. I just that's all I can think about since the World Cup. Was well, it, it's nice to see like <laughs> we like year. sports categories are put, filled up with like sports simulation games, but it's nice to see oh, a yeah. game like that, which I think is a, a skateboarding game. It's a very, it very different, unique game. So it's no longer just the Mario games that are that are tossing some variety into the sports mm-hmm. world. Strategy slash simulation game of the year. Dwarf Fortress. That sounds great. Ixion. Marvel's Midnight Suns, which I still have not played. Potioncraft. Alchemist Simulator. Warhammer 40,000. Chaos Gate. Demon Hunters. It, it, if this is by developers, I'm going to say that Potioncraft is probably going to have a decent chance. I was going to say that that scene, based on what you told about the mobile game you were talking about earlier, this uh, seems like a, the it's, game that you would most want to play. And it is. And I end direction. Matt plays it. So, and I get, I watch some of our friends on Discord play it too. And it's just like, once again, if I wasn't involved in two pretty specific games at this point that are very simulation heavy, that would be the next one I would be playing. And I definitely, I I, like, I I do enjoy, I know people have their online personas, but I definitely do enjoy like when, like you saying Matt's name being Ender, because like, uh, you know, in conversation, people will mention like their like people's like screen names or something like that. I'm like, who the hell is that? So, like, I'm sure at some mm-hmm. point that name would have come up, and I've got to, like, do the mental math and, like, all right, who the hell is that? But now, now I just know it's Matt. Yeah, it's just, it's like I said, it's one of those things where that group either calls me Swimmer or V, and everybody really knows me as V nowadays. So, every so often I hear Swimmer and I go, oh, yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's my other persona. <laughs> that's my that's my persona from middle school, which was very very long time ago. And and yeah, judging by how most people deal with middle school, probably good. It was a long time ago because middle school is not fun for anybody. No, it isn't. Immersive reality game of the year: Cosmonious High, just a step up from middle school. Moss Book Two, Red Matter Two, Ten Tenacular, Ten Tenacular Two, not Two, just Tenacular. I don't want to ever have to say that game name again. And the last Clockwise. <laughs> Outstanding achievement for an independent game: Immortality, Neon White, the game that I really hope wins: Teenage Mutant Turtles: Shredder's Revenge, Tunic, the one I want, and win. Vampire Survivors. <laughs> I mean. Immortality's gotten a lot of love, and I mean Neon White as well. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think outstanding achievement for an independent game. Independent game. I would say Tunic. Prob. This is where Tunic is going to have its best chance. Mm-hmm. Mobile game of the year: Diablo Immortal, Gibbon Beyond the Trees, Immortality, Marvel Snap, and Point P. Online game of the year: Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two. EA Sports FIFA 23, Final Fantasy 14 Endwalker, Marvel Snap, and Rumbleverse. Uh, Veronica, what do you what do you think the the Final Fantasy? What are the odds that it's not going to? It's most likely going to be Marvel Snap, and the reason I say that is if you listen to anybody on like an online game. That's gonna be it. And well, I mean, what was it? I can't remember. It was the Game Awards. Um, it was a persistent online game or something like that. Or it, it mm-hmm. like Final Fantasy fourteen was one of the nominees and it didn't win. Um, but that's an example of a game that has come back from a rough rough start and has been pretty successful in in the aftermath. So it can happen. It, it just it's really a. Uh, and the, the best way that I could say it is six one way half dozen another is the best way that I could really think about it is you have a game like the Final Fantasy that was like, all right, this is kind of shit-tastic, right? But then it came back to be, hey, this is pretty good. Where you have Marble Snap, where out of the gate, it was amazing. And, you know, Marvel, love it or hate it. I mean, it's kind of one of those things that those names that you immediately recognize. So I, I have, I have Marvel. Fatigue. Yeah, I, I do as well. I don't think, I don't think yield ever really started all that hot and heavy with Marvel, right? Yield. I, I'm way behind on my movies. I was current up to a certain point. Mm-hmm. I en- I enjoy them, and I still I want to see out through Endgame at least. And there's a few things on Disney Plus that I'm intrigued to see, but I'm not going to watch those until I finish through Endgame. But I I guess I would say I'm superhero fatigued in the sense of ever since they've moved on to what is it now Phase Four. There have only been a couple of movies that they've kind of rolled out that I've been kind of like, oh, that doesn't look too bad, but it's not high on my list of, ooh, I got to watch it. 
And that's what it is. And that's why I'm kind of surprised that Marvel Snap did as well as it did. But I think it's also one of those games where it was just the right amount of Marvel-ness <laughs> is the best way to put it. And to be... Oh. For that. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, sorry to interrupt you there, Veronica. I I was going to say that it's just kind of like, I think that people are kind of worn out on the Marvel TV shows and the movies, but the video game may be a space where that's still not completely tapped yet, especially on the mobile market. Because, you know, home consoles, you, you know, you're at home or on the PC, you're playing for long hours. Mobile is just like, you stop and play it for short bits, maybe once a day and you're done. So that may be a more appetizing place for people to consume their their superhero games as of right now as opposed to right. watching trying to watch something from dc and, and marvel where it's just like oh no more right no moss as uh as you'd like to say no moss outstanding achievement in game design elden ring god of war ragnarok marvel snap tunic and vampire survivors outstanding achievement in game direction elden ring God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Immortality, and Tunic. Vampire Survivors and Tunic have to win something on this list. I mean, they're just... I feel like I'm saying that name not necessarily as much as God of War Ragnarok, but certainly as much as Horizon Forbidden West. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, Game of the Year. Five nominees, those being Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Stray, and Vampire Survivors. And uh, reminder, uh, check out the winners when the 26 Dice and Awards are live streamed from Las Vegas and IGN on February 23rd, 2023. All right, so sometimes we'll go through the awards and kind of just pick out our winners. I think we'll, we're running long, so I think we'll stray from that. But I do want to ask you all, who do you think is going to win Game of the Year? Of those five games, obviously. Uh, my guess would be a toss-up between Elden Ring and Ragnarok. Veronica? I have to agree. It's as much as I would have loved it to be Stray. I just think that the... The way that the two of it, like Especially Elden Ring. How well that did. And how it is a absolutely stunning game but yeah it's just I, I it's either going to be Elden Ring or God of War and this is more hopeful than anything because I fully expect God of War to win well actually I expect Elden Ring to win this because Elden Ring won game the Game Awards game of the year and it's just one of those games that you know has seemed to be mm -hmm. the game to beat since it came out but My hope, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say, I know this isn't gonna happen, but Horizon Forbidden West. I'm. I'm gonna say that. I want Horizon Forbidden. That's what I'm. I want for. Horizon Forbidden West to win. I don't think. I'm not doing this for accuracy. It's just I. I don't want to say anything else because I said Elden Ring for Game Awards. I was right, and I kind of want to uh, be right again. So I'm gonna try to will Horizon Forbidden West to a victory, even though I know it's probably Elden Ring. But yeah, so Elden Ring will probably win, but. Horizon Forbidden West is my my game that I'm picking because I I want to ride that pony to the end because I still say that that game despite all the love it's gotten is still 
underrated. So, all right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to bring us to the end of our topics. And I do not think we have any questions this week, which suits us just fine because, well. Well, actually, there is one. There is one? one. Okay. Uh, Yield, do you have that in front of you, sir? Time to check my social media, I do. Can I just groan prior to you asking it? Yes. Okay. (laughs) So, Matt would like to know, what's more sad, using sandwich bread when making a hot dog or using a hot dog bun to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? I already know my answer. (laughs) Well, yeah, we figured that. So, um, I've never used a hot dog bun to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I have, however, used a piece of bread for a hot dog because I was out of hot dog buns and wanted a hot dog. So I guess if I desperately wanted a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and all I had in the house was hot dog buns and no hot dogs for them, I would use a hot dog bun for peanut butter and jelly. So I assume that this question comes up because this has been a discussion between Veronica and Matt. Right, Veronica? No, it hasn't. But the fact that it's a question that he asked does not surprise me. Oh, so this isn't something pulled from from you all and something you all... No, no. So because I think that I would go with the... I would rather use a hot dog bun for peanut butter and jelly because if you put the peanut butter and jelly, it's, it's bread... I mean, it's a different orientation of bread. I get that. But while not its intended use, I feel like putting peanut butter and jelly there is more practical than trying to eat a hot dog in between sandwich buns. I mean, yeah, you can kind of roll them up like a wrap, but I just – it's it's like the hot dog rolls and the two pieces of bread aren't going to – unless you just mash the bread together, it's not going to do a great job of keeping it in place. So I see the hot dog bun is more practical for peanut butter and jelly than slices of bread for a hot dog. That makes any sense. Um, if you got to do both, do both. If you're out, you're if you're out of hot dog buns and you got to use bread, by God, do it. Or you know, just do one piece of bread and roll it up. Uh, but I, in that situation, if I was given a situation of what I think would be more practical or better, I'd say the the hot dog bun for the the, the peanut butter and jelly. Uh, Veronica, I, I assume we should a- a- ask uh, you last uh, what you would do since uh, your your hubby is the well, one who proposed okay. the question. Yes, the hubby proposed which is more sad of the two. I have to be the opposite of you, where I believe that the hot dog for peanut butter and jelly is more sad than the sandwich for a hot dog. And I think this is specifically because the thickness of the hot dog bun would not make it enjoyable to eat. Just like you said that you could wrap it up and flatten the bread for the hot dog, you could do the same for the peanut butter and jelly, but I just feel like the the thickness and the way that a hot dog bun is, I, I just... Oh, no. There is something that's too much bread with something. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. And does he? Does when 
does he have random thoughts like that all the time? Does he, or does he yes. like, is this just like a, all right, well, what, how can I flummox them the most with the weirdest question? A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Sometimes his questions do come from our conversations. Uh, 90% of the time they are my weird questions. <laughs> However, this one was all him. And, uh, we will actually sit down and we will be doing something and then one of us will just say a random thing. And it, it turns into questions that you guys ask <laughs> during your podcasts. Well, we'll have to be on the lookout for those and see, did this come from, from Matt and V? Huh? I have to wonder. Um, all right. Well, Matt, thank you for your question. Uh, I think we had to all do a little soul searching uh, to come up with an answer for that one. But yeah, uh, we are at almost two and a half hours and uh, we have taken up a lot of your time, Veronica. So how about we get out of here and all enjoy the rest of our nights, however we decide to do that. Um, we'll go ahead and do shout outs. Uh, Veronica, we will start with you. Uh, well, I wanted to thank Tricky for actually thinking I was the correct uh, person in this couple to come over today. Um, instead of my husband. <laughs> I'd like to thank uh, Alex and Yield. Uh, thank you guys so much for accepting me and making me feel extremely welcome during the podcast. I would like to shout out Kalai as well for introducing me to this great family of gamers and trophy hunters that even if I am not a trophy hunter, uh, that I can have conversations with you guys like this. And uh, last but not least, my husband, Matt G. I love you, and you're awesome. Yield, sir, your shout-outs? Uh, shout-out to Veronica for coming and hanging out and talking Vigia games with us tonight. Uh, shout-out to Alex for for showing up for recording. Someone had to work. Mm. He's going he's gonna to pick on me for missing next week because I'll be watching the football game. Uh I'll take your place. It's fine. Uh, you, well, you you can if you if you would like. Sure, there you go, Trick. You already got a replacement. I think we should have <laughs> you Matt and Veronica on next week. That's all I'm saying. Oh, oh, there you go. Um, uh, shout out to uh, Nitro and the Brain Seventy Six for hanging out uh, Saturday and playing some Deep Rock Galactic. Uh, condolences to my brother's PlayStation Four. Homer gets us PlayStation Four. It seemed to have bit the dust at the moment so he is now back gaming on his three uh shout out to my bangles who are going to hopefully this time next week uh be whooping them chiefs and uh shout out to all the pimps and amounts of the whoredom thank you for hanging out downloading listening hanging out with us and uh yeah that's it this week We'll have a, give a shout out to the community, the fans, the fuel to the fire of this trophy horse. Thank you all for pushing us to this momentous episode. Well, at this point, every episode feels momentous because, you know, how do we do anything this long? Uh, but episode 556 would not be possible without you all. Uh, so thank you all very much. Give a shout out to Tricky, even though he's at work doing no work at all and probably playing PlayStation. Give a shout out to Yield. As always, glad his Bengals won and they're moving on. And hopefully they can, uh, after the heartbreak of last year, they can go back and uh, rectify what happened to them in the Super Bowl last year. Um, and a big shout out to... Uh, 
to Veronica for coming on for the first a pretty great debut I will have to say uh, Wolf Eye's debut of uh, of Weird West was a fantastic game and I say that you equally showed up as well uh, in your debut here on Trophy Horse so thank you very much for coming on and uh, and helping us out in our uh, need for a third seat thank you thank you and you're welcome you're welcome and if you want to come back next week and we can get Matt on too I think that we us with Tricky could do a great episode but I, I let me check my <coughs> shared calendar with the husband. Uh, uh, nothing is on the calendar as of so right I'm now. So I'm booking both of you all for next week. So. <laughs> oh snap! Oh snap! We'll see. We'll see how much shit Tricky wants to talk, and if you know any spiders show up in the background of a certain video. I feed. I have been told that I would no longer be a human friend of Tricky's if I ever. He's threatened you with a good time, Veronica. Oh. I mean. I know what, he has. Whatever. I've sent him uh, text with a spider picture on it, and he still talks to me. Yeah, I told him about I like Lucas the Spider on YouTube, and he says that if I actually bring that onto a podcast where he can see my video, uh, he will immediately kick me out and no longer talk to me. Pros and cons to that, I'll say pros and cons. I'm not going to say if there are more pros than cons, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, no, you, but he's just saying, mm. no, but, uh, yeah, we look forward to, uh, cause we've had Matt on separately and, uh, it'll be nice to have you both on. So yeah, hopefully we can have you guys both on next week, you know, barring anything happening, but, uh, yeah, that is going to bring us to the end of episode 556 here of Trophy Horse. We thank you all for joining us. Uh, thank you to Veronica for, for coming on on a fantastic debut. And until next week, happy trophy hunting. See ya. Bye. The theme song is Venus by the band Even off their album Zenith. Permission granted by the band and 12 Stone Records. You can find them on Facebook by going to www.facebook.com slash evenphilippines.